but I've been doing this now for 20 years. And, and what, one of the things I find frustrating is people pretend like there's this whodunit kind of gumshoes sleuthing required to go through and find all the stuff that's the evidence. Um, it, it doesn't actually take any creativity or effort. This thing was done in plain sight. It was engineered in plain sight. It was publicly announced. Um, by 2016, we even knew that it was the Wuhan variant that was the one that they had chosen. Um, like, there's nothing left to the imagination. We right. knew that it was WIV1 poised for human emergence, right? This is not a, I wonder if it could be a bat and a pangolin going into a bar in Wuhan one night and getting it on and boom, out comes baby COVID. No, we knew in 2016 that the Wuhan Institute of Virology Virus 1 model was the one that they had selected for the weapon. And so, you know, you sit back and you, you say, well, how is it? that in the face of such egregiously public information, we still are asking questions about motivation, about whether this was from nature or whatever it is. Listen, people, they said in their own words, this was to hype a drug to get the public to accept something that without terror, the public would have never agreed to. That's their words, not mine. And when you have a world in which, as you have on the screen right now, they actually stated outright biohacking, synthetic coronaviruses, biological warfare enabling technologies, you know, you don't have to interpret that. That doesn't require some spin. When you say biological warfare enabling technology, you are not talking about something that is an innocent oops, who could have known, who could have seen. It is actually a declaration of war against humanity, and we have it in black and white. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Thursday, September 28th, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. I have an important show, I think. A lot of different things to get into, but some important follow-ups to things that I think are really important. One of those shows that really continues to solidify you know, what we've been trying to prove with a, the body of evidence on a lot of different topics from the beginning, in particular the COVID-19 illusion. I, that, before we get into everything, I want to make sure, well, first of all, I'm going to shout out the important interview I had with Dr. David Martin. But what, he, what we talk about in that opening clip is something that you guys have seen many times, something that I have brought, uh, that I have discussed with this article here Many times, U.S.-funded research on coronavirus-induced myocarditis. Ralph Barrick, right? North Carolina University, Chapel Hill. And I pointed out the myocarditis-inducing coronavirus in rabbit studies in the 90s. On that same document, we discuss it in Dr. David Martin's, the, the interview with Dr. David Martin, it, on that very same document in his curriculum, we find the, the uh, let me see, if I, I can find it this way real quick. I just pulled this up kind of last second while that was playing. Right here. I, I, I didn't I hadn't seen this until he brought it up in. Well, first in his slides about the WHO, but synthetic coronaviruses. I mean, it's really crazy 
that this can be so public, like he was saying, and this is he was invited to speak on synthetic coronaviruses. So let's not pretend like they weren't very clearly doing gain of function research. And then it literally says biohacking, biological warfare, enabling technologies. Now, of course, you could try to pretend he's talking about this in the sense of what other bad guys will do. But this is the point we're always making. It's dual use technology. What happens if the person who in the government who gets that pretends to be good and does bad with it? Or what happens if the next person gets it or gets stolen? Or it's just so ridiculous to pretend like it's okay because they pretend to be the good guys. Anyway, I wanted to start with that before I forgot because it's a really important interview we just had. Here's that clip that I played right in the beginning. But before we get into everything, I want to make sure I point a few things out. We're going to have it's a good show in general today. I'm going to be talking about Omicron. At the, the point that we have been discussing quite a lot and, and not to say that I'm 100 percent on it, but the continuation of the the fleshing out the theory that Omicron is a synthetic entity in all of this. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that the first thing wasn't as well or that either of them are just using flu and pneumonia. The, you know, the, the points we made before. All of this could very well be an illusion, but the, the, and the studies could be finding an anomaly and misunderstanding what they're looking at. I'm just trying to be objective about it. But the data seems pretty clear that the Japanese study we recently discussed and now another study we're going to get into today, or rather another scientist using his own research to speak out about Omicron in particular being synthetic. I found that really interesting. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm buying wholesale into the idea that there are, you know, uh, weaponized things being used against us in this context, that there are viruses in regard to COVID-19 or viruses in general. I have my opinions about all of these things. What I mean to say in that opening point is that I'm not assuming any of those things. I'm questioning all of them while being open to all of them as well, even though everyone seems to have a very strong opinion about that today, and that's good. But I'm hoping today in this concept around the synthetic Omicron conversation that we can possibly find common ground here between these conversations and realize that Something could be a bioweapon when it could be utilizing pathogenic bacteria, which even in the terrain theory conversation, bacteria is something that I, as I understand it, I guess there are even debates within that community, but mostly arguing that that does still exist. So it's important to see or virusized transistors we've talked about quite a lot, but I find it important to see that this could ultimately bring, you know, have some common ground between these differing sides of the argument when all of us seem to it's, it's, it, it, agree who the real culprit is, even if we disagree on the new, the, the important, but minutia, or I guess that's kind of contradictory, but the important points that are the less important parts than, you know, where ultimately, or rather who is conducting the act against us, I would say. Well, we're going to talk about that to start. And I think this is an important follow-up. We're going to talk about mRNA food mod RNA food. I think that's an important point and how that's continuing. We have Thomas Massey's clip, but as well as some other points to follow up on that. Another an important point following up on GM mosquitoes. Somebody sent me a really important study that just completely, not that we needed it, but proves that this is an ongoing experiment and that they even got the approval for the experiment from the FDA. It's just, it doesn't surprise me anymore. We're, and of course, more evidence continuing to show how deadly these jabs are. Uh, long COVID being exposed by the corporate media as exactly what we always said it was. It's just absurd. And you'll still get called a conspiracy theory for saying long COVID is vaccine side effects or psychosomatic, even though even the corporate media is now calling it out. We're going to get into all of that today. But I want to give a big shout out before we get started today. I don't normally do these kind of the, the, 
this stuff in the beginning, I usually save it for the end because I want more people to see it. That's where more people are tuned in. But I want to give a big shout out to Autonomy and Richard Grove in particular for one, continuing to do the excellent work they do on Autonomy as well as Grand Theft World. But as you guys know, I have my course on Autonomy, which you can find the link down below. And you know, for some people, it may it may be a little expensive, but at the end of the day, it's it's a it, it's an important course, I think. And the what we discuss in there about objectivity it seemed to help a lot of people. And also you have access to the rest of the, or you can have access to more than just my course when you sign up for that. But I wanted to give them a shout out in particular because they are also reaching out to help support the last American vagabond and, and will continue to, because we believe in each other. I would argue believe in what we're trying to accomplish, but I really big shout out to what they're doing and their support for the last American vagabond, last American vagabond. Make sure you check out what they're doing as well, but let's get started today with, the important point about whether or not this is something that is a bioweapon, which I think is the easiest term to use. And I want to be clear about the idea that I don't think that has to mean virus. It just simply has to mean something that is biological, right? And that is important to understand. So when there's few things, it seems that some of the more aggressive people in the terrain theory discussion, which I don't mean we should be dismissing, there's valid points to all this, tend to be a little bit dismissive when it comes to things about you know, oh, we talk about the spike protein and the conversation becomes viruses aren't real. And it's like, well, OK, well, if you believe that we could discuss that. But the point is a protein could very well have come from bacteria. Right. And that so just because people call it virus, maybe they don't understand. Maybe they're using the term virus to lead people like yourself into dismissing that thing, knowing that all the while that it is pathogenic bacteria. All I'm simply pointing out is that it is important not to dismiss this conversation just as Dave, dr david martin makes a great point about we have a whole point in here about terrain germ theory conversation we, we mentioned his excellent interview with alex zek and the conversation they had whereas dr martin seems to think it, it states very clearly in alex Zek's interview that he does not think that there's ever been a virus in this context that has been isolated or shown to exist but we but he that and it's a difference between pathogenic or rather things that can be transmitted versus people getting sick. Now it's a, it's a nuanced conversation as always, but the point is that we can have a conversation about their material, their peer reviewed studies, their patents, their information as something that we can prove is present. Not that they is accurate, but there's a piece of paper with that patent that says certain things. And then we can point at what they're saying today and show that that patent seems to undermine what they claim today, whether or not both of those things are fake or illegitimate. The point is about trying to expose their narrative using their information for people that are still lost within it. That's what I simply call arguing from within their narrative. And that seems to frustrate certain people. And, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Fair enough. But I don't think so. I think it's important. So make sure you watch this interview. I do find this to be very powerful. We have a huge part about the WHO in particular about the, the as i as we i titled it here the covid illusion and the criminal world health organization driving it it's a really important interview i find and i find what he is presenting to be very refreshing very compelling and, and objective and i mean nonpartisan as far as i can as, as as best as it gets in my opinion i don't feel any partisan push in anything that he's doing in this regard but you know tell me what you think now i'd also like and the point is to start with that is to kind of keep this in mind the idea of the, uh, the concept of bioweapon and all the different things that could mean. And don't forget the conversation of the virus size transistor aspect of this, because that's one of the things I've always thought from the beginning should have been an easy way for those conversations to be sort of one and the same. Because in 2011, Charles Lieber, who was overlapped with Robert Langer, 
in kind of the foundational research to everything we're dealing with, whether it's GM mosquitoes, whether it is the COVID-19 injections or any number of things they're working on. It's all of the kind of same kind of body of gene focus, gene drive, gene manipulation research. And knowing that they worked on virus-sized transistors that are literally the size of a virus. Now, think about that context when they show you these clunky chips and go, this is the newest thing. It's like, they're way past that. And this is the, and as he says right here, the things, when they're this small, when things get the size of biology, it says it indicates that when a man-made structure is the size of a virus or bacteria or bacteria, it can behave the way biological structures do. So I've often pointed out, and remember, for those that don't remember, Charles Lieber was the guy that was arrested right at the beginning of COVID for with, with other Chinese nationals for trying to smuggle, at least the Chinese nationals were trying to smuggle blood. It was biological material in their sock from Beth Israel Hospital to China. Now, he only got charged with the, apparently concealing the money that he claimed, you know, like withholding that information and barely, basically got a slap on the wrist, never served time and had been working on this research. Well, I, I think he served minor time, but was kind of in the process of got released and has never stopped working on research with Wuhan or China this entire time. doesn't make much sense to me. So I've often wondered whether this could be exactly what we're dealing with. The idea that virus size transistor could have been used, lost, accidentally got out, stolen. I mean, any number of things. So keep that in mind as we go forward in the conversation of whether or not we're dealing with something that is in any one of these pockets of information, simply whether or not what we're dealing with is used against us, or I guess you could argue was mistakenly out and then they're just hiding that fact. But I think there's a lot of evidence that points against that. So we're starting with the high wire in following up on the research we recently talked about in regard to the Omicron strain in, in particular, but all of it, when you really break it down, top Japanese virologist warns of manufactured Omicron strain. Now, this was the uh, short, uh, short, short news is where I first saw it as well. And this is on Twitter. Uh, it's uh, Takayuki uh, Mayazawa. Now, this is the same guy we were re recently talking about, is a professor and virologist at Kyoto University, who's been doing good work the entire time on this discussion. He is a pro-vaccine advocate, had been from the beginning, and has been pushing op operations to reduce the transmission of coronavirus. He's been very outspoken about this, but apparently he just dramatically did a complete 180, and he's now screaming about how this is a bioweapon, how it's art, or other, I don't think, I haven't seen him use that word, but synthetic. So I guess you could argue he either means that, well, what he says in this very clip, and it's, it's, a, it's a, their subtitles, so I'll just read it for you. He, and it's very weird, he, or I guess not weird, but I guess it's, it's almost ominous the way that he's standing in the middle of this crowded area and somebody's filming him, but he seems to be kind of just speaking out to the crowd when people trying to get people's attention. And he says, attention, everyone, I ask you all, let's save Japan. He says, do you want to save Japan? Are you OK to let Japan disappear in 100 years? The coronavirus was artificially created and linked to vaccines. He says, even though. That story of artificial, cre even even I, excuse me, thought, he says, that was that the story of artificial creation was a conspiracy theory. That can't be true. The governments and scientists would never do such a horribly bad thing. This is what he thought in the beginning. He goes, I, that's what he thought. And it says, but when I analyzed the data of the virus, I was quite, it was quite obvious. The governments have been completely taken over by evil people. Or maybe he's just realizing that's what they've always been. You could look at it both ways. He goes, I beg of you all, please listen to me. You may think I'm crazy. I'm a professor at Koyoto University. 
I came all the way here with my decision to resign from that university. It's because there is something I must tell you all. I do hope to save Japan for the young generation. Very interesting. Now, one of the thoughts I had about this in the beginning, too, whether we're, I mean, obviously the virus size transistor part is important, right? But isn't it interesting that, so we're talking about something that he's arguing is synthetic or anybody like the lab created. And that typically gets the people that would argue viruses aren't real to kind of push back and say, well, wait a minute, it can't exist because, well, they're not real. But we're, we're not necessarily talking about a virus, are we? I mean, it could be something that's altered in the lab, but we're talking about something that's created in a lab. Couldn't that simply mean something that's not a virus, something that is made to emulate that or what we think that's supposed to be? Now, I, I know I'm kind of splitting hairs here, but I'm just trying to point out that there it's it's important not to just kind of close down all these avenues of thought simply because we think a certain thing or you in, in you may be right. But ultimately, it's something that was created. So it should, I argue, be its own kind of conversation in that regard, especially since we just pointed out there could be other ways that could be created. But as it says, if, if what we learned, if uh, what if we learned the Omicron strain was manufactured? An emotionally alarming video has just been posted where he stands alone, as I just said, and tells everybody in this square that it's synthetic. A top virologist and associate professor at the university's Institute for Life and Medical Sciences. The Japanese language clip of professor of the professor warning has over eight million views. It's just you know what's interesting is Twitter, as much as they try to frame it as like a right wing thing, it's really I mean it's everybody seems to be using that platform still. And so when you get these really interesting how many views they get or the as they call it being ratioed, which I'll have a couple examples of that today, it really does give you an insight into what people are thinking. I mean, you know, those things can be manipulated, sure, but it tends to show you that people don't agree when that tends to happen. And so in this case, 8 million views shows you that at least people are interested in what he has to say. Now, I, you can read the rest of this. It really just goes through some more information. I, I, it's a good article. There's a lot more in there, but I didn't plan to get into it in general. I just wanted to make this point so we can talk about some of the connected points to this. Now, let's not forget that this study, which we've recently talked about, Oh, I thought I opened it. I'll grab it really quickly. Here we go. This study, I'm glad I found that quickly. <laughs> it discussed what the, the idea that Omicron, and some people argue, and I have read through this, but I still argue that it's predominantly, I mean, specifically talking about Omicron forward, but that ultimately this kind of pokes into the idea of all of these things. But specifically, as it says here, they concluded that the formation of a part of Omicron isolates BA1, BA11, and BA2 was not the product of genome evolution, as is commonly observed in nature, such as the accumulation of mutations of uh, homologous recombinations. Furthermore, the study of 35 recombinant isolates of Omicron variants, BA1, BA2, confirmed that Omicron variants were already present in 2020. It's very, very interesting. The analysis showed that Omicron variants were formed by an entirely new mechanism that cannot be explained by previous biology. So you could dispute that, it, you know, but the point is that th there's a lot of evidence that backs up that possibility. Well, that, that was what I was discussing in this show, if you want to find out more about that. And we also talked about this going all the way back to 2022, even before that, quite frankly, Omicron, the self-spreading vaccine, because this is the interesting part of this was the way that things did, I mean, I showed you in this actual show, I think it might have been this one, that they immediately, 
Omicron changed everything, even though you can very clearly show that the things they claim changed with Omicron were happening during Delta, and they even admitted that. They just tried to use Omicron to tell you that's what changed everything, which tells me or suggests very strongly to me that that, let's put it this way, it adds a lot of credence to the fact that this was something used. Otherwise, the it doesn't make sense they would use that narrative when you can prove that it really didn't change anything unless this was something that was executed. My opinion, and there's a lot of evidence to back that up. And we saw things, quite frankly, change after that, not in the way they said, but the idea of, you know, the concept of the, sp- the spike protein shedding and these different conversations that got really much more prominent after that. And then, of course, I always show you the Botswana government post where they said on November 26th, the new virus was detected on four foreign nationals who had entered Botswana on the 7th of November, which they claim this started after that in South Africa. But the point is diplomatic mission. These people had diplomatic immunity. And Botswana then later said they won't divulge who they were, or where they came from. Very, very fishy. All these pieces add together to show what I argue is the effort to release this. That's what it looks like very clearly to me. Now, I also want to add something we keep forgetting to include, which is on it's November 28, 2021. I didn't focus on this. And this is even then I was talking about Omicron and so on. The Department of Defense was in Botswana before this happened. Now, let's not forget how important that is. On March 19th, the U.S. government funded COVID-19 isolation clinics all across Botswana. A very interesting focus that wasn't happening everywhere throughout Africa. And yet months before they set up a DOD COVID-19 something. And then what do you know, everything happens, you know, Omicron from that very location. And then they go as far as to try to hide that it came from Botswana. Now, in this show, I discussed that. or I think it might have been this one. In fact, the idea that they try to hide that. Wikipedia, corporate news articles. I show you the Wayback Machine versus today. They've tried to edit out the idea that it came from Botswana. They shifted to South Africa. Why? You could prove that it came there first. So it's very interesting. It's very, all this speaks very clearly to me of a cover-up. Igor uh, uh, Chudoff covered this on 2020, well, on December 20th, 2021, Omicron as a bioweapon, thoughts and implications. Now, this is a really good article you can read. And one of the main points he makes is Omicron has no recent ancestor. Like, it shows you that this just kind of popped out of nowhere. And that's what's, this is what everybody else, and again, a shout out should go to Igor Chudoff for pointing this stuff out way back then. Right. These are the kind of things these other scientists are discovering right now. And it's it's everything seemed this is this is more evidence to me that this was something that was put out there. Now, coming back to this. It says, by examining the amino acid sequences, you can immediately understand what is being done. If you analyze it, it's obvious. Now, we've seen a lot of that. And again, that goes back to even David Martin's point that we have all of this very clear evidence, the patents, the information, the studies, and we just get lied to about it. It's, it's as simple as that. Now, you can still dispute it, but you have to understand that the evidence, the information is very clear. Now, if you're going to dispute the evidence, then we need to at least argue that somebody lied about what that evidence is showing and then kind of poke into that. Now, it says the, he says he's published over 250 academic papers and studies in the areas of virology, disease, veterinary medicine and micro, microbial ecology. You know, the guy is a very highly respected top virologist. 
but now I'm sure he'll be called a conspiracy theorist now. Yet his most recent paper has the world talking and deeply moved him into action to alert others to what he has found, even if it means losing his longstanding position at the highly regarded uh, Kyoto University. Researchers and virologists around the world were baffled at the evolution and rapid dominance of Omicron variant SARS-CoV-2 after being first identified in November of 2021 an outlier with no explanation for its wildly divorced trajectory from the rest of the lineages. Just as a natural red rocket line perched above the rest of the natural virus evolution, what happened? Japanese professors set out on a year of research to find out. The evidence presented in their paper titled Unnatural Evolutionary Process and Possibility of Deliberate Natural Selection, and that's the one we're talking about, goes on to say, was potentially earth-shattering. Watch my cover. That's him, that's him speaking about it. It says, what they found led them to conclude that the formation of these parts were not natural. So what are the implications of this? And why would it only be Omicron? Now, I would argue that this was something that was... It probably, I mean, it stands to reason that this would be something that was likely manipulated from the beginning. And that this was an effort to change that. And I've talked about that many times, that it seems that this didn't go the way that was planned. I mean, I think that's pretty obvious the very least that the independent media kind of screwed this up as they're doing to most things they're trying to do today. But it seems interesting. And this is one of the theories I pointed out early that with the conversation of a leaky vaccine, which is arguably exactly what this is based on, you know, the understanding of the definition that this is something that is people to argue. First of all, the definition of that is something that will be used people that take it. It lowers their ultimate risk immediately, but continues to just get, they, they have a low level ongoing, like never ending issue and they can get and their immune system is lowered. So on the point is that it becomes like this constant issue that they spread to everybody else. And the argument being that they don't ultimately get that sick though, but the people that don't have it can get even worse. But what seems interesting is that we've seen the opposite of that. And I think that's because we're, I mean, you, I, I, you could argue that it was designed to be something that would hurt the people that didn't take it and keep the ones that did take it sort of sick, but not dead. Seems like a perfect win, win, win all around for the bar, you know, biosecurity state. But then we see myocarditis. Then we see Bell's palsy. Then we see thrombocytopenia. We see throm, you know, all these different things that are exploding and causing them to get their immune system collapsing. And so maybe Omicron was an effort to change something and all got, and only got worse because these people don't seem to know what they're doing. In any case, it really does speak volumes to the fact that all of this is either an, an attack on us or an effort to try to hide what they've done. Now, Freddie Pontone points out something really interesting that I'm going to talk, try to talk to him about as soon as he's done with his research on a couple different things. But he says, this is highly suspicious in military in nature. John Mikol Sordal was the director general of the Norwegian Defense Research Establishment, the key institution for defense-related R&D in Norway. Of course, all of this stuff is medical countermeasures from a military perspective. We have to wrap our mind around that. From That's all of this. Operation Warp Speed. NATO, STO, and U.S. Department of Defense countermeasures deployed are linked. Now, look at this, guys. This And this comes from uh, Pascal Najati to begin with, I believe. Here's what the document says. And this is from, you can see, this is from NATO. April 6th, 2023. It says in regard, and basically this is talking to them about their uh, their what they're asking about. And it says, it says, send us a selection of sites in France that meet the criteria of the directive, what they're listing, the CSOF IN three, seven, two, eight, seven, basically whatever they're, they're inquiring about. And you'll see what it, what it asks, what it talks about to start analyses and laboratory tests on the site in order to study viral evolution, 
linked to respiratory infections and to evaluate the effects of the new generation of Pfizer biotech vaccines on human reproduction. So as they're pushing this on children, which we'll get into, and pregnant women, neither of which they've ever tested on and only using observational information while they they ignore all the side effects to still say they're safe and effective, you have groups in in, uh, Norway, I believe this was Norway or the Norwegian area, asking or requesting to study whether or not they have these issues. And then here's the best part. They ask for this address to place it further away from the facility's residential the residential facilities due to an increased risk of contamination of the population that is in a perimeter of 10 kilometer radius. Explain that for me. 10 kilometers for crying out loud. That's further than East Palestine was given. I mean, they they are aware of a problem here of some kind of a, whether we're talking about spike protein shedding. I mean, that's interesting. April 6, 2023. And for both of those parts, the reproductive issues, which we very clearly know are happening. We're going to get into a part about that in a minute, which they're lying about. But about the fact that they need it away from residential areas to avoid contamination for 10 kilometers. That's incredible. Oh, it says Switzerland. So oh no, that's, this is, let's see. Hackers have probably hacked the server of NATO Scientific Collaboration Support Office in Paris and published this document. The documents reveal extremely shocking facts, namely the low efficacy of Pfizer vaccine against the new strain of Omicron, the high risk of embryonic development patho- patho- pathologies and cardiovascular diseases following injection of the vaccine, the NATO's implementation of dangerous experiments in the heart of Paris and the surrounding area. It's very interesting, guys. I think this is this is the kind of stuff that they, people will happily dismiss because they don't want to think this is too big for them. The idea to recognize that a multi, you know, kind of international body is literally openly aware these are hurting people, that they're testing them, that they're I mean, everything, guys, the fact that they're aware that they're hurting you, myocarditis. I mean, think of how much has changed. They're going back to the beginning. You were screamed at for a conspiracy theorist if you even mentioned myocarditis. And now we're at a point where they're and it's listed on the box. And yet still, they won't say a word about that. I'll play it for you. because I, I decided to call Walgreens today and ask them about as if I was a new person trying to get a shot. And I even went into the store and I'll tell you about both those. Neither of which did you get any information about what we can prove is happening. And I bet you they don't even know, to be quite honest. It's scary. Now, whether or not this is something that you believe is a bioweapon or is even there, it's up for you to decide. The reality, though, is is what we can see quite clearly is whatever they're giving people, whatever's in this injection is deadly. It's dangerous. And on top of that, as Danny Reincourt has repeatedly pointed out, you could prove that you didn't even need an illness to make this narrative. Now, that doesn't mean that it wasn't something. You can decide for yourself. But what it does mean is that the data, the fat, the, the math, you can show that you could have made a lie using the combo, the, the conflation of a bad flu season and pneumonia with any number of other things that they create or conflate or put together, SIDS and SADS and all sorts of things. On top of that, you have the PCR cycle threshold that can be amplified up to find anything anywhere and then lowered on the other side of it. But on top of that, you have this, the vaccine side effects that, be, that are being called COVID-19 to this very day. Even they're now admitting that with long COVID at the very end. We'll get to that. But the point is, Denny Rancourt put out a great study on the 17th. You want proof the vaccine causes mortality? 
You want qualification of the vaccine's fatal toxicity? Here's our latest science report published today. And you can read it yourself. It's an outstanding, and again, it goes into the overlap of places with high vaccination rates and whether they have high mortality. It's, it's impossible to ignore unless you don't want to see it. Children's Health Defense recently covered it. Here's the article. Definite causal link between COVID vaccine rollouts and peaks in all-cause mortality. I mean, guys, it's as simple as that. Now, I'll be the first one to tell you, and it's not something to dismiss. Correlation is not causation. That's important to always understand, but it doesn't mean that you dismiss it. When you have the kind of correlation that is near exact, you have to acknowledge that. You don't get, and you don't, and the point is what's happening today is you could, fair enough, you can say, well, that could be something else, sure, but you don't then ignore it until something else pops up, right? You acknowledge that it's a very deadly reality and that's a 90% possibility because of how clear it is or whatever number you want to give it. And then you make sure that it is that or is not. Sort of like Bayer's, where I'm going to make a great point today about how they literally point at Bayer's and tell you that's how we know that it's safe. If you could actually wrap your mind around that, that's the CDC, by the way. It's, there's no way they can't know that they're lying to you. It's, it blows me away. But the fact that we have all of this information that shows you very clearly that they know there's the, the, the every one of their databases are exploding with the information that they don't want to talk about, that they're ignoring. And this overlap is blind. I mean, let's not forget, if you go back to the very beginning, Operation Warp Speed had its own monitoring system. The real pharmacovigilance that was happening with anyone that took this vaccine for up to two years, they made that clear. Monsef Salawi was very clear about that. Who, who was leading the Operation Warp Speed when that first started. So they have their own database where they're collecting this. I mean, they have, they've acknowledged that many times. They never want to tell you what they're seeing. It says a new study of 17 countries found a definite causal link between peaks and all-cause mortality and the rapid rollout of the COVID injections and boosters. This is a Canada-based, Canada-based correlation research in the public interest, and they found more than half of the countries analyzed had no detectable rise in all-cause mortality after the WHO declared a global pandemic on March 11, 2020 until after the rollout of the injections and boosters. It's just, it's, it takes a special kind of stupid to not acknowledge what you're looking at right there. Now, you get the point on this. It's a great article. Read it for yourself. But this is something that we've been knocking home for a long time. Now, I'll leave you as well with Denny Rancourt's interview. Uh, 2022, we had this interview. This is where we break this down. Or he does, and I interview him about it. Data proves COVID-19 is actually an illusion. Now, that doesn't, you could take that one of two ways, right? I mean, it could mean that it's not there at all, or it could mean that it's a benign flu that they're hyping up with other information. Either way, that's an illusion. It's very clear. It's just, I mean, in my opinion, this is not up for debate. We can prove that when we'll I'll get into some of these studies when we get into the actual information about risk, you know, that this is, oh, that's not the right one. We'll get it to it in a second, but that this is, you know, less than the flu, according to the mo- highest level peer reviewed study on the, on the topic, that, that they own data from Pfizer's phase three trial shows that they were deadly from the beginning, that you were more at risk than, than not taking it. If you took those injections, 36% in Pfizer's case. I mean, this is just blatant ignorance. They just don't want to talk about it. Now in the conversation, and we'll come at, we'll come back to that of the bio weapon, the, the deploying of this, the spreading of this, the conversation of what happened in Botswana and four and, and on, we need to start asking, like, if, if this was something like that, and I'm not saying I necessarily think that I can prove that. I definitely think that, to be quite clear. But, I, but overall, if we are in a position here where people are no longer doing it, maybe that's something that they need to happen. 
it's a logical conclusion to say, well, what then let's get it in, in them some other way. Now, again, don't blindly think that's what's happening. We should be very skeptical of all of this stuff. But we need to realize that as they're now shifting very aggressively and have in the middle of the pandemic, the illusion of it, they were already be shifting into veterinary injections, cats and dogs. And we've already proven that mRNA. But we also now have the the overwhelming push for animals. And we're going to get into the food side of this as well. That's the part that scares me the most. And we talked about that all the way back in, I think, 2015 in regard to cannabis. But as William Marcus MD points out, mRNA vaccines in farm animals, pork, beef, shrimp, self-amplifying. And you've, we've talked about that. In fact, here, let me grab this one, see if it pops up. No, it doesn't look like it. Oh, there we go. Bingo. I talked about this one way back when. Entitled Self-Spreading Vaccines. This is 2021, May. Self-amplifying mRNA vaccines. COVID vaccine, menstrual disruption. Look at that. What a fake news story back then. Looks like it's absolutely verified today. How interesting is that? Self-amplifying is interesting, though. Different than self-spreading, but one step closer, I argue. And this is where we get into this, what I was looking at a second ago, the idea of the, as this, this peer-reviewed study from 2022, I believe, says, the, where was it? Right here. mRNA vaccines promote the sustained synthesis of the spike protein, not just one. And no, it doesn't stay in your arm. We have a whole new study for that today. Then yes, I threw it in the face of the Red Cross because they still lie about that. But that's the continued production. That's why I've always said, even Pfizer's own documentation from the beginning called this a self-amplifying vaccine. And that just then that just stopped being said. I, don't, I think that's probably one of the many different lies that we've spun. So why would they want it to be self, uh, excuse me, self-amplifying? Likely because that's another way to get this to spread, I think. But you can come to your own conclusions. Oops, here we go. So he's talking about all of these being used. So the point, how, how alarming that is in regard to animals, is that something that I would argue could realistically shed, right? And this is what we're all worried about. <laughs> now, that's different than the mRNA, understand, because as Dr. Peter McCullough and plenty of others have made a valid argument, I don't, and even he says he's not sure that this, you know, who knows what, especially using mod RNA, which is what these all are, N1-methyl pseudouridine modified RNA, not mRNA, but in the, in the shorthand, people still seem to use mRNA. The point is that it doesn't make logical sense, assuming that we you know, mod RNA is somehow way stronger than we think, or even just how it works may actually make it last. But mRNA would break down in an animal, in the injection, sometimes even in the injection, if not stored properly. And then as, as Dr. Ryan Cole points out, they didn't refrigerate them. So the lipid nanoparticles kind of break down and they don't actually deliver the instructions and people probably got lucky that way. So they didn't get hurt by it. But you deliver these with the mRNA, they deliver the instructions, and they end up in the body, and they deliver whatever they're supposed to, and they hurt the animal probably the same way they hurt us. The point is, and the animal gets killed, then the animal gets fabricated, they break it up into its meat products, then those get stored, they get you know held, and they get packaged, and they get shipped, and you get it, then you cook it, and then you eat it, and then you digest it. And the idea that that's somehow going to translate all that way is really hard to believe. But I'm not dismissing that, because if that's something they wanted to do, all they got to do is genetically modify it to make sure that'll happen, if that's possible. That's what I think possibly the mod RNA is really trying to do is make sure this stuff continues and spreads. But <clears throat> either way, the fact that that's happening there is more in my mind, my mind about the spike protein or whatever the delivery payload is. That's what concerns me. Cattle and swine outbreaks anticipated 
Australia building mRNA capacity, nine articles reviewed. He says, latest on mRNA vaccines and livestock. <clears throat> no mRNA used in cattle in North America. Now, I don't, I disagree with that. I know this is the narrative that we've been told, but I, I, we've heard directly Tom Rents, who I'm actually going to be interviewing tomorrow. I, by the way, on that note, I have a great interview with T. Snyder that'll be coming out soon. Really great conversation. Uh, just had a great interview with Sam, uh, Sam Husseini yesterday, both of which are probably going to come out tomorrow. Uh, but Tom Renz, I'll be interviewing tomorrow, and it'll probably come out the next day. He's been doing amazing work on the on the modified RNA topic, and he showed us that I think it was the uh, I was in Arizona. I don't quote me on that. I forget what exact what state it was, but that they had a cattlemen's association it was on the record going, "Look, we have been forced and told to give them mRNA. We're already doing that, and yet we get told that's not true by the cattlemen's. It just it doesn't make any sense. I think it makes sense when you realize we're being lied to about all of this because there's a surreptitious possibly very sinister agenda taking place in front of us. So why wouldn't they lie about it? But it says limited RNA used in swine, no lipid nanoparticle, no modified RNA. Interesting. Now, you, this is what he's writing. To, you know, just be, we've covered things that in some cases seem to contradict this. So come to your own conclusions about it. There are, however, five very disturbing aspects of the current state of mRNA vaccines and livestock and what's coming in the near future. The scientists are already lying about the safety of mRNA vaccine livestock. It's like they're lying about the rest of them, or maybe they don't realize they're lying because they're trusting the SEDC and so on because they don't realize that they're being lied to. <clears throat> but it's saying they're lying about every aspect of the tech, degrades in days, and sheds, all the same stuff we're talking about. Australian government has a most disturbing project, building capacity to mRNA vaccinate all cattle. We have a really alarming point about this from uh, Really Graceful, where one of the largest meat producers in the world is talking about using biotechnology to produce these things and manipulate them. And I don't think we're going to be told about it, but replicon RNA self amplifying vaccines for pigs is the stuff of nightmares with COVID-19 mRNA vaccines. We had uncontrolled spike protein production, but with self amplifying, you get both uncontrolled mRNA replication and uncontrolled protein production. I, again, I, I argue that might be what's happening now. Look, I will tell you right now, I'm willing to bet you Willie Mackis knows more than me on this topic. So defer to him. But nonetheless, I, I, the, I think it was a New England Journal of Medicine article right in the beginning, really clearly listed Pfizer's shot specifically. And they even listed the B2N, the BNT62B2, I think is what it is. BNT261, I, I forget, but the main one as self-amplifying. So what he's saying there is that implies that it or says that it is uncontrolled mRNA as well as the spike protein production. So the so point, what he means by that is that you deliver the mRNA instructions, and then that continues to happen. But then the mRNA instructions delivered in that one spot will continue to make spike proteins. Why you would want that in any circumstance other than a weapon, I don't understand. Unless that's exactly why. Foreign animal disease outbreak that could result in $50 billion in loss of the pig industry while the Australian government anticipates a cattle loss. Like, kind of stressing the idea that we're going to have an animal outbreak, which they must be just as psychic as when they stress the COVID outbreak. Oral mRNA vaccine, you know, you get the point, probably making that happen. Oral mRNA vaccinating our seafood through artificial mRNA feed supplements. I mean, guys, this is crazy. It is absolutely everywhere. And just like I told you with the glyphosate conversation, just like they didn't care then, this is, this is what they do. Put it everywhere. So then there's, it's too late. Right? Glyphosate, as I say every time, guys. You know, that's the that's the Monsanto weed killer roundup conversation. Glyphosate. And I, and I don't know if people really understand it when I say this. And I'm not making this up. There's peer reviewed science on this. 
Glyphosate is, also, let's put it this way, most likely in the clothes you're wearing, in the air you're breathing, it's probably in your urine right now. It's everywhere because this planet has been dipped in this 30, 35 times around. It's everywhere. And it's in the organic wines in Napa Valley. It's in German craft beers. It is everywhere, guys. And that's because they went, let's do it as much as possible everywhere so that it doesn't matter. Without studying it, or rather with, with hiding the data, paying to get false studies done, even though we can prove 100 times over how really, truly dangerous it is. Here's that's happening right now. We need to do something about that. And I am not arguing violence. I'm not arguing we, that it's that level. We have to. My point is, we can stop this if we just make sure people are aware enough to stop the average people doing this that don't realize what they're doing. The government is just the, the overarching hand directing. It's very rare they're the ones literally doing most of these things. They need the people that build the roads and add things or do whatever else, the police enforcement. And if we get them and we reach the seafood people or the people that are doing this or the people that are delivering it and realize and let them realize how bad it is, maybe they'll change their mind. And we have to realize there's a lot of good people out there that just don't realize they're being lied to. It says they are coming after the seafood and since you can't vaccinate shrimp, they'll feed it to them. I'm willing to bet you they don't even know if that's a valid or probably has far more overlap or something like that. Every time they do these things, it's really just about the clumsy effort to get the agenda forward. Terrifying. But, oops, don't want to close that. On that note, let's listen to Thomas Massey, who, you know, I'll be the first to say that he do, a lot of what he does really does seem like the right thing to do. Like, I, I support most of what he does, but that doesn't mean we should blindly trust any of them. Even if you think he is the guy he pretends to be, or you think Trump is the guy you think he is, they can still be played. They can still get it wrong. Like there's just simply no reason ever in history to blindly trust or blindly support any politician, right? Or some of our founding fathers even have a quote about that, calling it servile to blindly trust and support the president, right? We, it is our job to hold them accountable. Anyway, that rant is over. So <laughs> Thomas Massey, scientist funded with your tax dollars, are trying to turn edible plants like lettuce and spinach into mRNA vaccine factories. I mean, this is, the, this is the stuff that I've been trying to get attention to for a really, really long time. Not just that. I mean, look, again, I'll play this one, and this is about your body doing the same thing. They're trying to do this everywhere. And, I mean, can we not realize that any one of these things could literally get out of control and end the human race and destroy an entire plant species, right? Or the thing they're doing in this the sky to dim this. I mean, the idea that dimming the sun to fight climate change, like why don't they, I mean, I think they do know, but why don't we as a population realize that that could simply with the best of intentions go wildly wrong. And why we let these people who have gotten it wrong with GM foods, oral polio vaccines and on and on and on do the same thing again. But here, this is before the illusion of the pandemic. This is what Pfizer was saying they wanted to do to your body. Guess what? It's already happening. Wall Street and biotechnology companies have been very excited about this idea. And what essentially it is, is trying to hack the cells in the body in order to make them into drug factories. Right. That's genetic manipulation. That's gene editing. That's gene drive, gene silencing, all these overlap, different directions of it. To try to create a situation where your body can be primed to release the thing they want to train it to. All we need to do is give you the new shot with a new updated sequence, and boom, you're producing this new protein. That's what they want. So in this case, they're doing this or trying to with food. Now, guys, I argue this has already happened. I'm not trying to be a downer. I just think I'll, I'm going to prove to you with some of these next articles this is already going on. My biggest concern 
is one, that you're consuming this without knowing it, and two, that it could have already been cross-pollinized and spread, like we've been trying to warn people about in regard to Monsanto and their seeds and everything for such a long time. Now let's listen to what he has to say. Thank God Massey's standing up for this because it doesn't seem like anybody else cares about this. Purpose, does a gentleman from Kentucky seek recognition? Mr. Chairman, I have an amendment at the desk. The clerk will designate the amendment. Amendment number 86, printed in Part F of House Report number 118-216, offered by Mr. Massey of Kentucky. Pursuant to House Resolution 723, the gentleman from Kentucky, Mr. Massey, and a member opposed, each will control five minutes. The chair recognizes the gentleman from Kentucky. Of my amendment, which states that none of the funds made available by this act may be used to fund any grant related to any transgenic edible vaccine. Does the term. Now, remember, transgenic is the same term we're using when they talk about the GM mosquitoes, right? This is what I'm trying to show people. This is the overlapping tech, and that's terrifying. That's dual use technology. The term transgenic edible vaccine sound far fetched? Well, it's not. We're funding it. In fact, scientists from the University of California, Riverside, funded with your taxpayer dollars, have been studying whether they can turn edible plants, such as lettuce and spinach, into mRNA vaccine factories, thereby creating a transgenic edible vaccine. One associate professor at UCR explained that ideally a single plant would produce enough mRNA to vaccinate a single person. We are testing this approach with spinach and lettuce and have long-term goals of people growing it in their own gardens. Farmers could also eventually grow entire fields of it. I don't think this is a good idea. I don't think what happens if somebody eats that without knowing it, right? They, see, they don't, this, and I'll, I'll get into this again with this article, but this has been something they've been trying to do for a really long time. And the obvious concern is not about informed consent. Just like the self-spreading vaccine clip I always play where they go like this, you know, there's no need for informed consent. Even the way they say it makes it sound like a positive thing. I think the American people should be funding this. And I think and I would hope that we've learned something from the COVID experience with SARS-CoV-2, that some of our science projects aren't the best ideas. And with that, I reserve. Gentleman from Kentucky is recognized. Well, my colleague on the other side of the aisle talks about keeping prices low. I think there's more to it than that for the American people. Right. They, they're trying to play on your ignorance, right? So they, they put you in a situation where you can barely pay your rent. Your electric bill is 40 times what it was before. Everything you want to buy at the grocery store is 10 times as much. But don't worry. We're going to give you super cheap mRNA foods. Like it's, it's, that's the kind of logic that they think this is how stupid that they think we are. And they're very wrong. And he also speaks as if these vaccines, these transgenic edible plant vaccines, are only used for livestock. Well, in fact, they have been used for livestock. I'll get to that in a second. But they're also being used for people. That is mm -hmm. the intended outcome of many of these programs that we are funding, yeah, funding with money from the USDA. What could possibly go wrong with this research? Well, we found out a few years ago when a biotech company was experimenting growing in corn a vaccine to keep pigs from getting diarrhea. Okay, think about that. 
This is what I'm trying to show people, guys. It's too, these things are far gone. Like the idea we'll get into next with the with the GM mosquitoes. Like it's far too late to put that genie back in the bottle, guys. That's gone. They have released these things. They have caused them. And I argue the reason they're so aggressively doing more and more and more and more probably dual. There's probably more going on there, multifaceted. But if maybe some of them just genuinely realize what they did can't be stopped now, and they're trying to do their best to stop it. Now, that doesn't mean that the top level that they even care about that. This is what. I mean now the middling the middle rung people they just a lot of them don't realize what they're doing so at the end of the day you're tra- putting out transgenic gmo gm mosquitoes that are then causing the other mosquitoes to change and grow and reproduce which we'll get into they lie about it but it's definitely happening they all have admitted it even past corporate articles have admitted that oh it got out of hand now they're getting stronger <laughs> and now today it's a fake news story like everything else but they make they've made corn with mr with with in, well, I, I, I don't think he like he's I think he implied that it was mRNA, but and maybe it was. But let's just say for the sake of conversation to get it accurate, that it just means a, you know, a transgenic corn with some sort of some sort of vaccine they're trying to relay. That could then spread. And this has been proven. I've gone over this in depth. The idea that these things can pollinate, you can cross, they can they get the genetic overlap has. And this is this. Here's the best way to put it with Monsanto. The seeds would, they would, these things would grow and the seeds would spread and then they would infect, if you want to look at it that way, and I do, the other crops of other farms. And then they would go over and say, hey, that's our patent. And how do they know that? Because they stole something and then tested it. Like they're not, like that's not intentional. And they would literally win in court that they then own that farm and people would lose their entire family farms. Guys, that's real. I can't believe that's not, I mean, that, that story wasn't even that big when it was happening. So in this case, ask yourself whether there might already be corn food in general that is overlapped and infected with some kind of mrna vaccine strain and maybe they don't even know that what happened well the next year where the corn was grown the prior year the corn came up and it got commingled with soybeans that were being grown there it contaminated 500 bushels of soybeans which were then commingled with 500,000 bushels of soybeans and those all had to be recalled and destroyed Luckily, they caught it. Do we want humans eating vaccines that were grown in corn meant to stop pigs from getting diarrhea? I don't think we want that to happen. Yet that almost happened, and it could happen. I mean, do we even believe that's really what it's about? Like, really, you're going to spend all this effort? Like, that's probably the, the, you know, what they're told or whatever else. But even if it is just about pigs getting diarrhea, what does that mean? It's probably because they're giving them the worst garbage I mean, I, there's even a clip I have that I could, I'm not going to try to find showing you what these pigs are being fed, the, the, the bad, the disgusting, non-organic farm pigs, where it's just like old garbage, like half bags of bread with plastic wrapped and old carton, cartons of stuff, half empty, rotten milk cartons. I mean, it's disgusting and they will eat it because pigs will eat anything. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen the show Deadwood, but you will know that pigs will eat pretty much anything, clothes included. The point is this is that. Oh, I just lost it. Hold on. What was he saying? <laughs> that dead through me. Getting diarrhea? I don't. Oh, right, right, right. So the idea that, you know, that they're giving them all this garbage and instead of just going, hey, maybe we don't feed them garbage and we make them healthy animals. We'll just make them eat food vaccines to stop from getting the runs when we give them garbage. That's the mindset of the industry. Now, think about how ridiculous that is. I think we want that to happen. Yet that almost happened and it could happen. There's another case where. The pollen cross-contaminated another crop of corn, and 155 acres of corn had to be burned. What are the, 
what are the cases where we're not discovering this? Exactly. I think it's dangerous to play God with our food. I think we need a safe food supply. And it, this is about food safety. Ultimately, the people in this country need to know what's in their food. And if we start contaminating the DNA of our food with DNA from other animals or viruses, the pollen could spread, and we don't know what could happen. And I would hope we've learned a lesson from the Wuhan lab that sometimes things escape. Sometimes things don't go as you plan. And so that's why I think it's a bad idea to fund transgenic edible plant vaccine research from the USDA. I urge adoption of my amendment, and I yield back the balance of my time. The question is on the amendment offered by the gentleman from Kentucky. Those in favor say aye. Those opposed say no. In the opinion of the chair, the ayes have it. The amendment is agreed to. Thank God. I mean, I, I heard, what is it, like seven people in the chamber? <laughs> Pretty typical for things that really matter, right? They only show up for, for, for abortion and, and transgender conversations or you know, whatever the, you know, the, the, the wedge issues, right? The point is, this is super important. And, you know, the, we got one yay. Hey, we won. The point is that these things are, you know, our politicians seem to ignore the most relevant things. And it's probably because they only listen to the lobbyists. This is actually still happening. And to his point, how do we know we didn't miss some of them? And if they did, that means they're continuing to cross pollinate and spread and change. Yep. I mean, I can almost guarantee that's happened and they don't care, guys. And they're still they're still working on this stuff. They're now, like we just showed you, going even further. They're going to continue to push. They're going to continue to go to the next ones. Here is the defender vaccines grown in lettuce. Representative Massey asked House to bar FDA, USDA from funding transgenic edible vaccines. I just want to include this so you can get some source material and read through this for yourself and look at his actual uh, uh, legislation. But I, I can promise you that whether or not they push, this is going to keep going and that I'm, most, I'm willing to bet you that not enough people will push and it'll probably get allowed anyway. Now, here is going back to 2021. I've shown you this before. Under on genetic engineering and biotechnology news, plants as mRNA factories for edible vaccines. University of California, Riverside researchers say they are studying whether they can turn them into plants. So the point is they're already doing this. When, they, when, you, when they're studying them, they're making this. They're trying to do so. And that, just like anything else, as we've already talked about, can easily get out because we're talking about the same kind of stuff. This is a weapon just as much as they think it'll help you. I mean, quite frankly, I think it's a weapon however you spin it because what they're making is probably very dangerous for you. But Here's the, here's the article I wrote. Hey, I got it right. 2015. I wrote this back in 2015 called Cannabis May Already Be Genetically Modified. And remember, as I told you many times, this whole website started kind of focused on cannabis law reform. Now, the one part I want to read to you. Oh, by the way, here's the clip. I, I, I wonder, I thought this is actually gone. Hold on. Let's see. Can you hear that? That's that's dioxins. Agent Orange is TCDD.
So it says in 1996, when Monsanto began selling the Roundup Ready soybeans, only 2% of soybeans in the U.S. contain their patented gene. By 2008, over 90% of soybeans in the U.S. contained Monsanto's patented gene. Many of, much of that was not by design, guys. The bottom line is he's telling you that they, you know, they steal this and Food Inc. is what you should watch. It's a great it's a great documentary where they will just steal your farm in a court of law. It's unbelievable. By the way, I just happened to see this in the chat, by the way, talking about Jay Dyer streaming the WEF page. Uh, Derek just wrote about that, by the way. Check out the homepage of The Last American Vagabond. He wrote about it a couple of weeks ago, I think, about or last week, how they are you know, saying that they haven't met their goals and so on. And they're pushing to reestablish it. But here is the point I wanted to read. So this goes all back to 2015, as I said. Prairie Plant, Prairie Plant Systems, Inc. has won the contract to mass produce medical marijuana in Canada and has already pr- begun production. This is a company whose primary objective is genetic modification of plants to fulfill specific needs, most currently plant-based pharmaceuticals. So think about this for a second with what we now know that they can do, right? What is the likelihood that they did this to government-produced cannabis that then got allowed in an interesting time when it was a very contentious topic? It started in California. Hey, let's let's give them cannabis. Let's give them cannabis that gives them some kind of pharmaceutical, right? It's just as a hypothetical. Doesn't that sound like something we're already proving that they're capable of today with what they're doing now? The kind of idea that they, or like the idea of, I don't know, seeding psychedelics into the into the hippie movement during the 60s right like these are the things that they do to get ahead of things so i what if that's already been done to the point to where they started with this company with canada of course canada and they pushed this idea and they were testing this all the way back then and it's just something to consider no it says it's not hard to see the dangers of adding pharmaceutical traits to a plant that could potentially spread that trait without control hey look at that that's exactly what's happening. No one knows what the long-term effects of the cross-pollinating genes that are being played with will be or how far they will spread. The possible negative effects of rampant single-generation genes and undesired pharmaceutical additions to plant life dramatically outweigh the possible good. Now, remember that the Terminator conversation, the Terminator seed is a very real thing, which far, uh, Monsanto worked on. And this is something they claim they never used, but they you could prove they had it, that they made the patent. They have something that would work in that regard, which makes one, you know, basically it forces farmers to buy their seed every year from Monsanto instead of saving the seed that their plants would normally produce. It's just, it's, it's a, almost a guarantee to end life on this planet should that spread in a way they can't control. But it says this could create plants that cannot be reproduced while simultaneously being contaminated with undesired pharmaceutical effects. Altering the genes of the cannabis plant could hinder the desperate needs of future generations to provide sustenance and fuel. Now, you could argue, I mean that in the sense of both cannabis and what they could spread to, you know, understanding the true value of hemp, by the way. Regrettably, this could have already taken place. According to Huffington Post, Dr. Cassini from Rome has already begun her investigation. Dr. Cassini has investigated the prospect of genetic modification, and in one sample, she tested that she's, she found a trace of a substance often associated with genetically modified crops in cannabis that was being sold, strengthening concerns that some strains of cannabis have already been genetically modified. In her study entitled Investigations into the Hypothesis of Transgenic Cannabis, just published in the Journal of Forensic Sciences, Dr. Cassini raises the possibility that this substance is a contaminant, perhaps, from a cover crop used to conceal the illegal cultivation. 
all the way back in 2015. I quite frankly think this is already happening, guys. Not just cannabis, but all over the place. Now, Dr. Malone points out mRNA vaccines in livestock and companion animals are already here. And they are. It's very easy to prove. Both in livestock and your animals, cats, dogs, everything else, guys. These are real and they're happening. So if we understand self-amplifying and we understand spike protein shedding and whatever else, we have to consider these possible risks. I'll include this uh, Substack post we put out called What is the Difference Between MRNA and, and Mod RNA? The really important and specifically N1 methyl pseudouridine modified RNA which is, it makes it last. This is why it doesn't stay in your shoulder, why it continues to spread your body. And, and it's been designed to, it's made that way. And that's why many of the quote experts who still stupidly think it's MRNA will screen you down and say, it doesn't last in the body. MRNA breaks down super fast. Well, it's not MRNA. And they'll even argue you're wrong in that case, because they've been told by experts that it's not. And it is, and you can easily prove that. Now here, great, really graceful shares an important clip. Here's the full episode if you want to watch it this is a 25 minute clip but he talks about something i think is really important i'll just play this one clip that she shares world's largest beef beef producer shares shocking news jbs is the world's largest meat producer and americans all of us in this room included probably are among your largest customers we are invested in in biotechnology we are we are in this we are building in spain a cultivated meat, or another you call a cell multiplication. Cultivated meat, cell multiplication. We're going to talk about that next. We already did a whole breakdown on the lab-created chicken and the illusion that it is, as well as the dangers, both of which we'll prove again are true. This is the largest meat producer in the country, in the world, excuse me, speaking about biotechnology and cultivated cells and meat. And realize this all stems from the fact that he was called out by Bill Gates, or rather his company was recently, about how that was the big, big issue. This, you know, that big meat company is one of the problems. And here he is towing, like at least going, hey, I don't worry. Yeah, like I'm going to go in that direction kind of an idea. We are building, I believe, one of the largest facility, uh, commercial facility it will be ready in 2024. It's not a pilot plant. It's a commercial plant. Mm. And we are starting Brazil. And uh, exactly the same, a new, a new plant for cultivating meat in Brazil. We are investing all of the tech, new technology. Hmm. That's very concerning to me. The biggest meat producer in the world. Now, does that mean we're going to know that? I mean, I, I really think we're going to get to a point, especially when you start to realize that they're going to pass legislation that blurs the lines. They did this with farm-raised salmon. They've done this with many examples throughout our lives where they blur the line for convenience or bureaucratic reasons or, you know, or, you know, necessity. They make it seem like we have to, otherwise this won't happen. Blah, blah, blah. The point is something will happen where you will no longer know the difference because they hide that from you. That's what, I mean, that's my opinion. But that's what they've done throughout the past. Very concerning to me. Now here, Meathead is an account that I, re I just reached out actually to, to see if he wanted to talk about this. He says, some employees are comparing lab-grown meat startup Upside Foods to Theranos. You know, or is, yeah, Theranos, right? Yeah, the company that was a blood sampling company that basically was a big fraud, right? It says, are we the next Theranos? Asked one former employee. People are being lied to, but no one is going to die, ideally. <laughs> Fantastic. Batches of meat growing. I shall read these when we get to the actual article. So this is this the article we'll read next. But the point is that 
there's people within this company that are kind of going, this is all a bunch of BS. Like with salt, it's like an illusion. So it's really about making, make, per, making the world think this is viable so they can work their asses off behind the scenes to make it happen. And that shows you that it's more about the agenda because climate change, because UN SDGs, whatever it is. So in yet another example, whether it's lying to you for the greater good <laughs> or not, they're lying to you. And that's pretty typical of where this all tends to be. And I think we need to start realizing that you, it's, it's, good people don't lie <laughs> to their population to achieve what they want and, and then you know accidentally hurt people or intentionally, which is what I think is happening. But funded by Bill Gates, of course, and Richard Branson, who we talked about last time. Thank you for sharing this. Well, we just recently did a, a uh, breakdown on this. Here's the clip and the actual article link is right here. I'll grab that too. If you want to watch that. It's a good show, actually. We make fun of Hotez, if you want to watch that. <laughs> and you're talking about endocrine disrupting chemicals or not a conspiracy theory, lab-grown meat, and so on. So really quickly, I wanted to go through this and just show you some of these images. So we're breaking down these studies from before. Now, before I even read it, so some, the, the main points that we went through on this are ultimately that this stuff is not viable, which they're going to admit to this finally, as something that can be used to 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 reproduce enough or to produce enough to circum to to replace the meat people eat or even for necessity for sustenance but they're lying about that so think about the risk of removing other food sources and lying about this being viable so they can save the planet they would argue and that that's not even really what's happening that's what the the mindless followers believe they're doing but what you're really doing is removing food sources without replacing them you know what's going to happen then? Death. And they well know that. But the other thing about this is that they've already, this, this, the multiple studies that go through in this episode break down the fact that what they're doing is very dangerous for two main reasons. There's more than two, but what I'm going to break down here is two is one is the idea that what you're essentially producing is cancer, right? You're, you're causing something that the cells to mass reproduce to, to build this thing in a lab. And why that wouldn't then continue or have a possible effect on your body, which there's studies that say that's likely. Why that's not a risk, I don't even understand. I think they don't care. But on top of that is the idea that they, they make a very important point. When animals or you know, animals in general have immune systems, right? So the things they're doing or the, the processing or the, the animals before they're processed ultimately have the ability to fight off the illnesses, that they then serve to ultimately protect you. If you're, you know, the bottom line is when you're making these in a lab, the articles and the scientific studies argue very logically that there is that doesn't exist. So you end up in a position where, and oh, and that was the main point is they're arguing they don't even need to do scientific labs anymore. They can push this back into the mass food production areas that aren't set up for high level sterile production like you have in a scientific lab. And their argument is that is not just necessary; it's absolute because if you don't have that, you have something that will create bacteria and issues that will get people sick and they're not taking the proper precautions. And that's directly from these scientific studies. And so my, what we're going to get into is them essentially admitting that because of the employees that spoke out. But it says with this high level of this high level of cell manipulation, some dysregulation is likely as happens in cancer cells. It's exactly what we're talking about. The control of this control of its nutritional composition is still unclear especially for micronutrients and iron. That's a peer-reviewed study about what they're telling people to eat. 
Consumer acceptance will be strongly influenced by many factors and consumers seem to dislike unnatural food. So that's why they're set to try to convince you that this is something that it's not. This one's we read that is lab grown meat unhealthy and safe to unsafe to cons or healthy and safe to consume. It says the scale required for for making lab cultured meat feasible for mass consumption will be the largest form of tissue engineering to exist and could introduce new kinds of genetically engineered cells into our diets. Yeah, that's not what we want. And that's what they're saying. And the point is that they're making the argument that is exposed in this article we'll get to that they admit that they are not able to do this and their company's lying about it in hopes that they can meet that uh, deliverable before we all find out about that. Now it says candidate topics for research include the safety of ingesting rapidly growing genetically modified cell lines, cancerous, as, as these lines exhibit the characteristics of a cancerous cell, which include overgrowth of cells not attributed to the original characteristics of a population of cultured primary cells. These genetically modified cell lines could exhibit a char the characteristics of a cancerous cell. While these companies didn't disclose much to the public about their processing methods, their pa public patents reveal the creation of oncogenic or cancer-causing cells. It's in their own patents. The Memphis Meats patent on the creation of modified puripotent cell lines involves the activation or inactivation of various proteins responsible for tumor suppression. So the point there is that they know that they even are including things that try to suppress the ongoing growth. So why would you ever want to consume that? Another patent from Just Inc. describes the utilization of growth factors as part of its growth medium. This process could promote the development of cancer-like cells in lab-cultured meat products. Additionally, where was that? Additionally, it's possible certain growth factors can be absorbed in the bloodstream after digestion. That sounds terrifying. If they're using stem cells, cell-based meat companies need to pay attention to the risks of cancer cells emerging in their cultures. A research team from Harvard's Stem Cell Institute and the Stanley Center for Psychiatric Research on the Board Institute of MIT at Harvard has found that as stem cell lines grow in a lab environment, they often acquire mutations in the TP53 gene an important tumor suppressor responsible for controlling cell growth and division. Their research suggests that an inexpensive genetic sequences technologies should be used by cell-based meat companies to screen for mutated cells in stem cell cultures so these cultures could be excluded. Guess what they're not doing? Cancer-causing additives are, pro are prohibited in our food supply under the Delaney clauses in the 1958 Food Additive Amendments and the 1960 Color Additive Amendments to the food, uh, Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act. These new rapidly growing cell lines might be considered color additives if they are being used to produce the color in the meat. Guys, this sounds so disgusting to me. You see, I mean, there was the main point I wanted to get to here. Should require a safety assessment to determine if they could contain cancerous cells before they're sold. They're not doing that. In describing the scaffolding and growth media being used, make sure this was... I think you got the point of the cancerous side of it. Companies are not required to fully disclose the composition of their scaffolding or growth media. They're just exposing consumers to novel proteins or allergens. It's amazing that this is supposed to be the FDA clearly has exposed themselves to be a completely captured agency, guys. They don't seem to care about any of this, any of the risks, which is their only job. Another major issue associated with processing methods using cell lines and or culture medium is contamination. Unlike animals. 
Cells do not have a fully functioning immune system. So there is a high likelihood of bacterial or fungal growth. uh, Mycoplasma and other human pathogens growing in vats of cells. There's no logical reason that's not happening. Now then you could, but so what's probably going to be done is the overuse drenching in, in some kind of antibiotic resistant something. And that's going to cause another problem. But in this case, while lab cultured meat companies emphasize that this type of meat production would be more sterile than traditional animal agriculture, it's unknown how that is true without the use of antibiotics. Exactly. And some or some other pharmaceutical means of pathogenic control, which adds its own level of risks. Based on commentary from various companies, antibiotic usage across the industry is still very unclear. Now, I'm going to leave it there. The point is they go on to make the clear point that they're already trying to talk about transitioning this back to mass production, you know, food level stuff, because that's the only way they can do this in a way to arguably do enough to feed people that are going to be stopping from eating meat. Now, here's the main point. They're admitting that they're lying about all that. And guess what won't happen, guys? They won't stop this. The narrative is already in play. The the UN and the WHO and Bill Gates and everybody else and all the corporate media are all still pushing all of this because it's part of the agenda. Here's what it says. Sources say the company's flagship product, the juicy, gross, in my opinion, whole cuts of chicken served at this place called Bar Kren are brewed almost by hand in tiny bottles. The huge bioreactors that all the magazines have shown and all of their big hype have been about, those sources claim simply aren't capable of reliably brewing the sheets of tissue needed to form whole cuts of meat like these chicken fillets. We'll get into it in this. They've, there's been contamination. They've had to throw a lot of whey, and it's just it, they, they just aren't doing it. They've lied. And they still give tours and show them all these big reactors. And everyone, they, they, even the, when I think the first interview came in, they lied and said these ones are the ones they were using to make them. And the employees were like, that's not true. Insiders say that upsides, and this is the same upside uh, foods, I think, or the one we were upside, uh, it'll say it in here, upside foods. Yeah, it's what we're, we're discussing. They say that upsides meticulously crafted fillets are instead a result of a process that is more arduous and unwieldy, unwieldy than using bioreactors. Let the, get this. Employees grow thin sheets of tissue in small plastic flasks called roller bottles and combine them I think they say by hand in this, to create a larger hunk of chicken, an approach that is expensive and requires many hours of labor to produce even a small amount of meat. So this is Thanos, guys. We're being lied to. According to to former and current employees at Upside, the process happens in a laboratory that doesn't feature in the factory tours Upside gives to journalists and members of the public. We'll look at that. In an interview with Ag Funder News published in June, Upside Chief Operating Officer, the CEO, Amy Chen, confirmed that its whole-cut chicken product is still being made in two-liter roller bottles. That was recent, though. Upside's website, which includes a page dedicated to explaining the production of its chicken, makes no mention of that at all. Their ability to uh, to make all forms of meat, and want to highlight that. Oh, I think it was simply the idea that they're just arguing that they can make just all everything, all forms of different kinds of meat. Another lie is the point that they can't. But former and current employees say these claims exaggerate Upside's technical capabilities. Internally, employees would joke. Their own employees would joke the startup could be the next Theranos. The blood testing startup that imploded spectacularly, ending with its founder, Elizabeth Holmes, being convicted of fraud. (laughs) Oh, what a joke. (laughs) 
We're all laughing about our founder going to prison because they lie. Like, that's pretty interesting. People are being lied to, it says, but no one is going to die, ideally. That is a direct quote from an employee. You're being lied to, but, you know, you, you probably won't die, though, ideally. Really? And guess who's not covering this? Wired, but CNN, Fox News, even Fox. Like, well, actually, I haven't seen it on there, but I would argue this would be something you'd see on the right-wing media. Either way, it's interesting how this stuff doesn't seem to change the agenda. Another former employee confirmed that staffers at the company would make jokes comparing upside to Thanos. The public tasting at this bar, Kren, was supposed to signal that the era of lab-grown meat has finally arrived. Right, so this is a theater show, guys. Gates and all the rest of them. Instead, sources claim Upside has struggled with technical setbacks while projecting an image of having solved the key scientific challenge of scaling up the production of whole cuts of meat. But they're not, that's not stopping them from destroying farms, from stopping people from growing, from, from can, producing meat from cattle. How does that mean? Are they trying to starve people? Certainly possible. One former employee says that between the factory opening in November 2021 and the summer of 2022, they saw dozens of attempts to use the bioreactors to produce sheets of tissue, but they are rarely resulted in usable meat. At times, production runs were ruined by, guess what, guys? Contamination. That meant the meat was unsuitable for turning into a product, the former employee says. So yeah, guess what? Exactly what the concerns were. And when we did that show, guess what that got called? Fake news, like so many other important topics. That's coming from their own employees. Former Upside employees described how batches of meat growing in the custom-made bioreactors would frequently be ruined by contamination and have to be incinerated. Or not. That's what they tell us anyway. Quote, once they had any indication it was contaminating, they would try to stop the run, get the cells, and get any results out of it they could. All right, quick, use what you can. (laughs) Sounds like a restaurant, says a former employee with knowledge of that process. The current upside employee who describes the same problems says the proprietary tissue cultivators are no longer being used to brew sheets of cells, despite their prominent placement within the facility. Quote, one day people are going to find out that none of those things work, the employee says. But upside staffers continue to show off the reactors to guests on tours of the facility lie to them, suggesting they're part of the functioning process. The employee says it's like cute story, y'all. The current employee adds, Valetti pointed the bioreactors out to Wired on the factory tour in May 2022. Quote, these are a special set of cultivators where we can do ground meats and also whole cuts, they said at the time. They were lying. Finishes here. The company announced it has created a cell growth liquid that is completely free of animal components. That's what they say anyway, right? But the chicken served at Bar Cren uses multiple animal-derived ingredients. We talked about this in the clip as well. They're, they're lying. They're basically saying it's completely free of animals, but then you find out that they're not. The, royal, the roller bottles in which the tissues are grown are coated with porcine gelatin to help the cells stick. Like, that alone will violate it for some religious perspective, right? If it's kosher or if, they're, if, if their Muslim doesn't want to eat pork, like, that violates it for them. But they're lying to people, guys. An FDA safety dossier submitted by the upside also confirms that it might use bovine serum to grow the cells. That's what we talked about in the clip. I mean, how is that? So if you're going to make something that's not meat, but you're going to base it off of meat cells, that seems pretty dumb. 
The current employee also said that bovine serum derived from the blood of adult cattle is being used in the roller bottle process for what they serve people, arguing that it's not meat products. How is this anything but a lie? Now, it says this, this, is, this isn't about lying. It's about trying to trick people, says the former senior employee. It's a quote. It's a very specific PR dance where we need people to continue to believe in this industry and its potential to do what they need to share some of these milestones. Right. So this is about climate change. It's about the same old thing. They lie about every damn angle of this because we pretend we need to stop this for climate change. We need this to reproduce. It's all this is all held together by shoestrings and bubblegum, man. The whole damn thing is completely false. And everyone just keeps marching forward. But yeah, let's keep destroying food while we have, can clearly tell this isn't even viable. The biggest fear was more than more that we are constantly building the airplane while we fly it. Interesting. Same analogy was used for the transgender conversation, which is also imploding, which I'll come to that eventually. But these things seem feel more important at the moment because at least that thing's receding to some degree. But I'm going to do a huge focus on that soon. That could work out well, it goes on. But would it be more prudent for us to pause flying and just continue building it? Make sure. Make sure it works as intended. Yeah, God forbid we should make sure that genetically modified, genetically manufactured from nothing meat with contamination issues, with cancer overlaps, with potential other side effects or uh, anomalies in the food that we don't know about as all the science is proving. But let's not make sure, right? Just like the vaccines. Quick, give it to them while we're still testing for their safety. I think they should tattoo on their forehead dangerous things for your safety. That seems to be what they love to do. It says this makes noise. When you make noise, you create a visible future for the technology that attracts investors. That's what it's about. Tricking people to invest so we can make that the reality, even though you don't want it. When you attract investors, you bring dollars. And with dollars, you can improve your technology and bring forward the whole market with you. This is literally a scam. They're pretending it's here to get you to invest so they can maybe hope they can accomplish it. Guys, that is a straight up lie. I mean, that's <laughs> just... It's incredible. And in the meantime, they're hurting people with it. And let's not forget, this also overlaps with the same kind of stuff that they're talking about. All this is the same direction. Now, same on that exact note, let's talk about the GM mosquito point in all this, right? Because this is also something that is overlapping with the same stuff that overlaps with the same concept of the dual-use tech that goes all the way back to the beginning point about a potential biotech or bioweapon conversation. Right. If, it, if that's if we're suddenly not taking the injections anymore, what else do they need to use? I'm not saying that's what we're proving is happening. But for that thought process, it seems to be interesting how this is being deployed in a lot of different ways. Now, we recently covered this and I just want to point this out again for those that didn't see it. And we'll start with this article. Thank you, the frozen pixel for sharing this. It's very important. So, first of all. We recently talked about this on this show right here. I'll just add it to the show notes. And this is obligatory pesticide spraying in New York City. And as I said in that episode, it's not unique to New York City and it's not even new. But it's important to make a point about because of how dangerous it is. So, first of all, what I said was in this study from 2019 from science.org. Quote, they collected mosquitoes from several neighborhoods before, during, and in the three months after the trial. 
And I'm going to prove to you again, this is all one big experiment that they admit with this next article. Quote, they estimate between 5 and 60% of these mosquitoes had some DNA from the Oxitex strain in their genome. As much as 13% of the genome in one case. That's what they're doing to you, guys. Now, my point in that was, first of all, so we know that that is in their genome, which they then pass off to their offspring. But I thought they told us they weren't producing. So it's not so it's not a problem. Right. But they know that they are. So this part, first of all, oh, wait, it was uh, here. Oxitec's own document. You can look at it for yourself. This was a FOIA release document. Oxitec confidential information. And I'll even have a story about this where we where they're already this has already been discussed where they're caught for lying, concealing the true nature of how much is surviving. Of course, none of the corporate media or the government cares because they're involved, I would argue. The point, per this document, released via FOIA, they knew very early that 15% of the mosquitoes actually did not die but got stronger, which they then spread to their offspring that are not supposed to be able to have. And this is right in their document. You can see it for yourself. Now, what's really important that I did not even know when I last covered this tetracycline in the cat food they were feeding these things was the reason they apparently got up to 15 but they but three percent as it even says here was what they were getting from the beginning so whether or not that um, tetracycline was an issue there were still three percent of these mosquitoes that were not getting not dying they were reproducing they were getting stronger and they knew that and they hid that from everybody but they also hid the 15 percent. they claim they fixed it but here's the bigger point i didn't know that tetracycline is apparently a very common thing used in agriculture so literally as you're spraying this around areas because of mosquitoes and then you have tetracycline used on those crops because of what they're using for other purposes you're literally creating a dynamic where these mosquitoes are stronger and don't die i'm willing to bet you that's probably on purpose in any case so genome infiltration (laughs) put it that way that they're not dying. And the important part, in my opinion, one of the most important parts, that this is all an experiment. And I mean that verifiably. That the GM mosquitoes that have been released, going back as far as I can tell, to what, 2015, 16, 17, are all an experiment, an ongoing experiment. Are you okay with that? Considering that there is provable DNA contamination and that between 3 and 15% do not die but get stronger? Here is the document directly from the EPA. It's an EPA regulatory document. It says it right there on the top. An experimental use permit that's been amended so they can continue to do so. On March 6, 2022. So if we know they've been spraying or releasing these in 2017, in 2021, which we know they did with public information, and they're amending the experimental permit, then it's all big experiment. And we're always talking about all the way back in this conversation, as far back as you want to look, OX5034. In the specific one we're talking about, 80s Egypti, Bill Gates, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, that's their Oxitec funding making this happen. It's an experiment. It's as simple as that. Why is that okay? They don't tell you that. They lie about this. They say this is vetted information. So here, oh, it's weird. I opened it twice. Here is an important study from 2022. Regulation of genetically engineered mosquitoes as a public health tool. An analysis of ethics. So right out of the gate, while uncertainties as well as risks for humans and ecosystems are entailed by the open release of genetically engineered mosquitoes, 
a powerful global health governance non-state organization is funding the development of and advocating the use of those biotechnologies as public health tools. And this gets really interesting. In August 2016, the U.S. FDA approved the uncaged field trial of genetically engineered Aedes aegypti mosquitoes in Florida. The FDA's decision was based on its assessment of the risks of the proposed experimental public health research project. There's no disputing this. They're literally deciding that you are the Florida-sized test subjects for this study. The experimental public health research project of releasing these Bill Gates Oxitec mosquitoes to find out what happens. That's what an experiment is, guys. So approval of the uncaged field trial, which is what they guess they call these, that's ridiculous. They're releasing them in the wild. It's approval of the uncaged field trial could be used by proponents of GE mosquitoes to urge countries in global south to permit the use of these biotechnologies. So what they're saying, and I'll read more about it in this, that they're ultimately saying, they're arguing that it seems logical that the reason that they released it in the United States was to say, look, look, it's happening in the U.S., so you need to do it over here in Brazil, in, in, in Venezuela, or wherever else they're putting it. And then that becomes an open door for the deployment of some kind of anything, dual-use technology. And that's the real point here is that these things are dual-use, and whether you argue these are helping somebody or doing whatever they're doing, that the system, the gene drive technology, because what it is is delivering a protein. That's what these GM mosquitoes are doing. They're delivering a protein just like the payload system in the injection could be altered to deliver something else. So you don't think they want to use that against Maduro and Venezuela or any number of people that they don't like? This and all that aside, an experimental public health research project in 2022. So for half a decade, They've been experimenting on you with mosquitoes. Now, wouldn't you think they would have learned whether it works by now? Yeah. And guess what? As we've shown you in that episode, they are only getting worse. In New York, in Florida, the mosquitoes are worse than they were before they started the program. And you ask anybody that lived there. I have, I have actually a, a, a comment from somebody that points that out. The kind of things it's doing, the killing animals, their pets, their, their dogs and cats killing the bats and the dragonflies on top of some of the mosquitoes, which are the ones that actually eat the mosquitoes. And that way the next pot next year, they're even bit more strong for two reasons. I mean, it's just, it's absurd how obvious this is. So it, in my opinion, this has nothing to do with keeping you safe from West Nile or even reducing the population of mosquitoes. It very well could just be release them so we can justifiably use them in other parts of the world. Here's what it says. There's a lot of information here you should read. Under the title of Risks to Marginalized Populations, a public health and ethical issue, it says, it is unlikely that the uncaged field trial, I just love that ridiculous term. If it's not in a cage and it's out in the open, how is it? It's just, you're, it's a field trial. You've been experimented on. In Key Haven, Florida, would provide information about whether the modified mosquitoes could establish colonies under real world circumstances where tetracycline is use is common and considerable okay so if we know which we do according to their documents there was this one according to their documents i'll bring it up here so you can see it that these things here's a oxytech it's i mean this is legitimate it's a foia request you guys can I've, all the information is in here 
Oxtec confidential information, where you can see that they reported tetracycline is very efficient at binding to the T-TAV and switching off the enhancement effect, right? So it's all the breakdown here. The point is it makes it's, it counteracts what they were supposed to be doing, the dying and not spreading and not reproducing. Therefore, even small amounts of tetracycline can repress their system. And they said they were getting 15% survival, transgenic line, whereas they were getting three in the lab before they were released. So either three to 15% is what you're getting in what they're releasing. But then you can ask the question, if you're releasing them over areas that have very high tetracycline use, as it says in this article, they use them for orange groves and all sorts of crops. How do we know it's not 50%, 100%? I don't think they care. And this study is pointing this out. They're basically saying, what about the, indig- the, the marginalized populations that you don't seem to care about? In the interest of conducting a realistic risk assessment, the FDA ought to have assessed the possible impact of, guess what, OX513A, Aegis aegypti, establishing colonies in regions with marginalized populations. Far, and the point is they're trying to justify using this in places like Brazil and elsewhere, which they have already, by the way. And yet they're not even testing in an area that would actually you know, mimic what that area is like. <laughs> it's like, the, it's, it seems quite deliberate, if you ask me. Far, it's, it's sort of like how Pfizer will, you know, pretend they you know, kick people out of the trial and do it a small area and limit the size of the study, all to make it go, look, at 95%. <laughs> That's how these things work. So if they did it in an area with high tetracycline, they would go, oh, it doesn't work. Now we can't use it. So they pick an area that doesn't have that issue and they go, look, it works perfect. Send to Brazil. Farm workers who have limited access to healthcare qualify as an example of a marginalized population in the U.S. that could be affected by the uncaged release of these mosquitoes, which again, they don't care about that. It is argued that the FDA ought to have considered the possible impact of uncaged field trials on them. If the OX513A Aegis aegypti mosquitoes are released near farms or inadvertently transported to them, which is just a dumb way of saying they fly over there. If they find tetracycline in sufficient quantities there, which is very likely, they might be able to survive over multiple generations. You get that? This is the peer-reviewed study saying this. In the interest of conducting the realistic risk assessment, the FDA should have considered what that would mean for farm workers who have limited access to healthcare. The EPA was considering permitting increased use of tetracycline, guess where? In Florida, as a pesticide in citrus farms. So, and this is the case, by the way, you can look this up. So in the area where there's a very prominent use of tetracycline, guess what? They're dumping all sorts of mosquitoes on there that won't die because of it. And they recently just said they're going to not do it in California. You could argue that's political. I don't necessarily think that's the case, but I know that may interest some people. They literally, Oxytech randomly stepped up this year and said, we're not going to do it in California, even though they got allowance to do so, and said, but we're going to do it in Florida, though. That's interesting. Tetracycline is commonly used in agriculture, and that earlier in 2016, on behalf of citrus growers, the Florida Department of Agriculture had requested the EPA's permission to increase that use of tetracycline in citrus farms to control bacteria that causes citrus greening disease. The civil society organization expressed the worry that if EPA permitted increased use of tetracycline, then hundreds of thousands of pounds of the chemical will be spread in these farmlands, obviating, quote, the lethal trait in the mosquitoes. And they could, could survive and continue to breed, which, guess what? That's exactly what has happened. And they've even been forced to admit that. We'll come to, excuse me, have a hiccup. We'll come to that next. Plan to kill mosquitoes backfires. Wait a minute, I thought that was fake news. Silly. 
the FDA's environmental assessment did not consider the risk to farm laborers. Shocking. You mean the federal drug, the, the groups that are designed or ostensibly supposed to keep us safe in these regards, the EPA, the FDA, didn't even consider the risk to the very people that would be used to... Ra- uh, shocking. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, it's almost insulting to your intelligence. It's the very people that are at most risk that you, you almost manufactured a study to make sure it looked like they wouldn't be. And it says, for, uh, mo- consider the risk to the farm laborers from the establishment of habitats of these, G- these genetically modified mosquitoes in citrus farms and other kinds of farms where heterocycline is used in significant amounts and where climactic conditions are suitable for that strain of mosquito. It's like almost like it's made to work in the opposite way. Maybe it is. That omission is ethically and politically significant and it results in the risk assessment that is not efficient, right? The point is they, they, they produced a risk assessment based on faulty setup to make it look like it was safe when they knew that it wasn't. That's the breakdown. Specifically, it does not provide realistic data about the safety and efficacy of the GE mosquitoes in regions with marginalized populations at risk of mosquito-borne diseases and where tetracycline may be present in sufficient quantities. Now, how about we just remove the marginalized populations? How about just anybody in an area where there's high tetracycline use around farms, in crops, orange groves, citrus groves? It's not just marginalized populations. It's anybody in an area where these mutant mosquitoes are getting stronger and stronger and reproducing and hurting people even more than before with things far worse than West Nile, in my opinion. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it, that it's even framed that way. But what they're ultimately saying is the omission, the lie, the cover-up is exposing the fact that they didn't. Well, here's the biggest part of it. That part's clear. They're still doing this. This study's from 2022. So how do you know, this is my point about this. The studies, the science can come out peer reviewed says bad, dangerous, not working and nothing happens. I mean, that really needs to resonate with the average person that shows you the government doesn't care. The media doesn't care that we're in a controlled flow of information that these people are lying to us about literally everything. Even though, even what makes a difference in what the outcome of what happens, this should be enough to go pause. Shouldn't be happening in the first place, quite frankly. Now, it finishes by saying it was argued that the risk assessment report prepared by the regulatory agency did not qualify as a realistic assessment because the uncaged field trial was proposed for an area that did not approximate the real world conditions under which the the GE mosquitoes would be used to try to reduce the transmission infections. So why would they make a study using a setup that was exactly the opposite of what it would be needed to do to find out if it's safe. Probably because they know it's not safe. That's my opinion. The FDA, same thing Pfizer, Moderna did. The FDA may have authorized the experimental biotechnology research project as a, as at such a site, because that must realize it's not just the companies, that's the FDA involved, guys. It's a captured agency. But it's literally the, the science, the studies, the study authors are, are writing that they may have authorized the, at this site so as to substantially reduce the risk from the field trial. It also meant that the risk assessment of such a field trial would not provide an accurate evaluation of the risks. But they're still using that to say, look, we're safe and effective. Use them all over everywhere. 20 states across the country. Right now, focusing on Florida, it seems. Not accurate risks in the regions where there is a high incidence of the transmitted infections in the population. 
The ethics analysis identified some of the marginalized populations that could be affected by the uncaged field trials, as well as open release of those biotechnologies. It also raised questions about the the epistemic and ethical value of risk assessment reports that presented patented, expensive, high-tech biotechnologies, they're talking about the, inje- the mosquitoes, as simple solutions to complex, multidimensional public health problems that disproportionately affect the global South poor. In addition, it asked the question whether non-state actors should be making decisions about public health problems of populations to whom they are not accountable and who were not chosen by them to make those decisions for them. Yeah, don't you think? What they're saying is U.S. Populate, U.S. government authority figures should not be deciding what people in the global South have to deal with when they clearly are designing this to not even know if it's safe for them. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, you think? By evaluating the FDA's risk assessment of the proposed uncaged field trial in Key Haven, Florida, and by identifying the low incidence of mosquito-borne diseases in the states of the U.S., this paper raises the question why the sponsors of the biotechnology seek to conduct uncaged field trials in the U.S. Don't we care about that? Where the hell are all the Americans that we should be screaming about this? And some of us are. Not enough. But this very study is going, why is it even happening? It goes on to say it was argued that proponents of the biotechnologies may be interested in using the fact that a U.S. regulatory agency authorized the uncaged field trials to urge other countries to permit these same trials in their countries. So it very well could be that you're just being used as you have been so many times throughout your history. In, 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 if ineffective interventions are adopted based on risk evaluations that do not approximate conditions under which the product would be actually used, well, there could be public health and, e- and ethical costs for those populations. Yeah, and guess what? They read that and they go, we don't care. They do it anyway. That's the people that you're fighting for if you're fighting for this government. They don't care. Any government that is, guys, in my opinion. But here it is on the New York Post. Plan to kill off mosquitoes backfire, spawning mutant hybrid insects. It's amazing what we forget. 2019. Now, it says the plan to curb a mosquito population has backfired spectacularly, making the disease carriers even more resilient to the pest control measures. Right? But you listen to the screamers on Twitter as of yesterday. That's all fake news because Ryan's a liar. The plan involved genetic altering mosquitoes in Brazil so their babies would die instantly. However, the company that hatched the plan, Oxitec, funded by Bill Gates, then released the mutant mosquitoes with the hope that they breed with the wild insects and spread their that, oh, that's interesting. The SIDS gene? You gotta be kidding me. Now, that doesn't stand for sudden, sudden infant death syndrome, but I just find that ridiculous. Caused the population to plummet substantially, or that's what they argued. This, they pronounced optimistically, would drastically reduce the issue of Zika and so on. The numbers, they came rolling in 18 months later, and they were wrong. Researchers think that the wild female mosquitoes have grown wise to the measure and began avoiding genetically modified males or, you know, whatever else, or it didn't work at all, or it actually made them stronger. The wild mosquitoes could have developed a resiliency to the measure, making their population even harder to quash. And the point is, guys, they knew what the problem was. Their own documents were finding this, right? This was, there was a date in here somewhere, I think. In any case, this is early, like right when they were starting this. I, I have the FOIA discussion. I'll have to find that and tell you. In any case, it goes on to say, now the region has been left with a huge population of hybrids. That's how it worked out for, for Brazil. And yet they're still dumping them over this country. I mean, think about how ridiculous that is. 
combinations of their mosquitoes with the other mosquitoes. An outcome that could make an entire population more resilient to the original mosquito control measures. The exact opposite. Oh, weird. Exactly what happened with GM foods. They swore up and down it would solve the food crisis. And what did it do? They are provably more food insecure because of what they did. That's why nobody talks about it, guys. And then they went on to genetically modify injections, and everyone took that too. Quote, the claim that was the claim was that genes from the release strain would not get into the general population because offspring would die. However, that researcher, which this is the study we've talked about in this very article, proved that wasn't true. That the, the DNA was in upwards of as, between 5 and 60% of the insects. 13% of one genome in one case. It's happening to you guys, whoever took those injections. That obviously was not what happened, says the Yale researcher from Yale University. It's all especially scary considering the uptick in mosquito-borne illness brought about by global warming. <laughs> That's literally what that says. Okay, so we're literally in the face of proving that the reason the mosquito problem is exploding is because of what they did, and yet this article still goes, yeah, but blow up global warming. <laughs> Gosh darn it. Even the people pointing it out can't. The bottom line is, why don't we realize, at the very least, they're making this problem worse? They're creating something that is making them stronger, more infectious, more spread. And on top of that, guys, we're talking about dual-use technology that can be updated. But yeah, global warming, that's why. Last week, Nebraska confirmed a mosquito notorious for spreading illnesses like Zika and yellow fever and had the EEE virus infected in a Michigan girl, put her in critical condition. All right, so we're not going to go, wait, was that because of their genetically modified mosquitoes? doesn't even come into the conversation. We just go, we need more GM mosquitoes because they didn't work. It's like, that's kind of the message there. It's unbelievable to me. Now, imagine that shared that and a few other things I think are really important. So shout out to him for that. He shared this article, genetically modified mosquitoes survival rate concealed, which you already know, but I wanted to point out that this was written in, uh, where was the date again? I swear I saw it earlier. I don't know why websites would not put a date on this. It. Ridiculous. But around the time this was being broken down, it's saying a confidential internal document, which is the one we showed you. It's this right here. Obtained by civil society groups shows genetically modified mosquitoes described by their manufacturer, Oxitec, as sterile are in fact not. <laughs> Simple as that. And in fact, have 15% survival rate in the presence of commonly antibiotic, presence of the common antibiotic tetracycline. So an antibiotic that's used in other locations other than crops as well. So it's, it's, it's almost like this is designed that way. Hard to miss that. In the study described in this document, the genetically modified mosquitoes were fed cat food containing tetracycline in the chicken, and many of the mosquitoes were able to reproduce. As we talked about, that Oxitec technology aims to prevent the progeny of the mosquitoes from surviving, but the fact that it fails in the presence of low levels of tetracycline is cause for concern. Nobody cares about that, though. They're still using them to this day. It says, raising the specter of genetically modified mosquitoes surviving, breeding, producing adult populations, including GM females, which can bite and transmit disease. And who knows what else that will transform into. Maybe that's where these variant changes are coming from. The antibiotic tetracycline is widely used in agriculture and is present in sewage. This is what I thought was very interesting, as well as in industrial farmed meat. Look at all these different overlaps. Mosquitoes can carry dengue fever, are known to breed in environments contaminated with sewage where they are likely to encounter tetracycline. 
I mean, that's something that you could easily piece together if you care to think about it or did on purpose created something that the ver- like where they predominantly go, they find the thing that need they need to no longer die. Failure of the technology in the presence of tetracycline contamination could lead to a rebound in cases of disease. That's the point. Not just that they can keep growing, but the opposite of not just that they die, but the disease part of it too. And biting GM females might cause unknown impacts on human health, such as allergies. Like you realize they've been doing this for a decade. So ask her, or give or take, Ask if half of what's happening is because of this. The ecological implications of GM mosquitoes surviving and breeding are unknown. That's why it's an experiment, and you're still being tested on in a lot of ways. Even in the absence of tetracycline contamination, the GM mosquitoes are known to survive at around 3%, according to their own documentation. But they lied about that, too. Eric Hoffman of Friends of the Earth, U.S., said, The fact that Oxitec is hiding data from the public Oh, just like Pfizer and Moderna. How how interesting. What an overlap. Has undermined its credibility. But guess what? Didn't stop them. They're still profiting and still making them. Oxitec's assertions, he continues, cannot be trusted. Trials of the mosquitoes must not move forward in the absence of comprehensive and impartial reviews of the environmental, human health, and ethical risks. Such trials must also await the establishment of a clear and well-designed regulatory framework, which does not yet exist. And guess what? Nothing happened. They kept going, just like all the rest of these conversations. It's like anything else we've talked about. They don't care about any of that. They didn't need this for any of the shots we've talked about, the GM foods we've talked about. They just push this into the environment because they want to at your expense. That's literally what this is. Now, here somebody sent this to me. Now, I really just want to read you the last part. He was kind of just giving you some information about how much he sees, the time he sees them, the months. The, the part for me was important. He goes, he said, I I." I concur that the very few verifiable cases of West Nile do not justify these pesticides. But he says, in any case, spraying from the street makes little sense because most open vessels collecting water exist in backyards, not on the street. But you know what is in the street front? Your sewers. Because that's where the tetracycline contamination is in residential areas. When Giuliani sprayed for West Nile, mourning doves in his neighborhood grew tumors on their faces and died because they could not feed and drink. We already have evidence from studies from corporate media reports telling you that it kills. And even the M- M- the material safety data sheet of the chemicals are using that say that it's highly toxic to animals and fish and bees. Nobody cares. Now, here's just an article. Mosquitoes are the new syringe. Or are they? Seattle lab nibbles at malaria vaccine. That's 2017. The, the point is, guys, this is everywhere and even the stories that are like still being dismissed as fake news have been going on a hell of a lot longer than we realize. Now, ask yourself how it's like, first of all, this is the overlap that really sends this home. The reason I, the reason I keep telling you that this is the same technology is because it is. And there's they, they present differently, but there's the same overlaps. So the reason is in 2017, they're using this technology to potentially deliver the same thing they're delivering in the injection right now. A protein. Through something that delivers to you that creates antibodies. Now, that's the same thing they're doing with these with these shots. I'm just trying to show you that they were doing this before the COVID-19 pandemic with the mosquitoes. Now, I don't know why we would pretend that these might not have already been used or released. But the point is now they're using them in different ways. And we need to see how dangerous all this is. Now... 
let's see. There, there's for unforeseen reasons. I'm it looks like I need to kind of not do too much longer today, but let's see. There were some points that I definitely wanted to get into here. Let's see. Yeah, I'm just going to go with, I'm going to kind of go over to the last few parts here. Let me close some of this real quick. I do have a bunch more in here. Okay, let's see. So, to try to do this reasonably quickly, I wanted to point out some important stuff here. Senator Rennick points out a really important study. The study presents the results of the fourth round of the national SARS-CoV of, of SARS-CoV-2, which, which was conducted between uh, the 29th of November, November and the 13th of December, 2022. The prevalence of anti-spike antibodies, which indicates exposure to vaccine or natural infection, they say was 99.6%. Now, I, I argue very clearly that what we're talking about is natural immunity, which very well could be because of common cold or things from before which multiple studies have shown you prove that they found that in uninfected controls well before this ever started. But he also points out the prevalence of anti-nucleocapsid antibodies, which indicates natural infection increased modestly from 65% in round three to 71% in round four. This report mentions that anti-nucleocapsid antibodies are produced at lower levels and wane faster in people who are vaccinated. Yet again, the key point from the results is that antibodies against the virus nucleocapsid wanes faster in the vaccinated than unvaccinated. Strong evidence that the vaccine, or at least repeated doses, are making the immune system weaker. We don't need more evidence for this. This has been nailed to the wall. They are absolutely, I've gotten at least five or six peer-reviewed studies that will prove to you that this is reduced, the lymphocytopenia, dysregulation of your immune system in multiple ways, autoimmunity, immune suppression. I mean, it's all over the place. It is destroying your immune system. This is yet another study proving that. Now, here's the documentation you can read for yourself. Right? We know that this is, I mean, we've known about this. This is Dr. Peter McCullough's study from 2022. Innate immune suppression. Very clear. Sustained the synthesis of the spike protein, neurotoxic, impairs DNA, Potentially cause increased risk of cancers, diseases. I mean, it's exactly what we're finding. Retsep Levy points out that a study from a new study finds that three out of eight random deaths within 30 days of post Pfizer COV vax mRNA was detected in the heart with signs of healing injury. It's an important study right here. Dr. Claire Craig points out three patients at autopsy with evidence of vaccine in their heart muscle all had signs of injured heart muscle. None had myocarditis. Myocarditis was always the tip of the iceberg, just like we've always been telling you. Here's the study they're talking about. 2023, September, duration of the SARS-CoV-2 mRNA vaccine persistence and factors associated with cardiac involvement in recently vaccinated patients. These results suggest that SARS-CoV-2 mRNA vaccines routinely, that's important, routinely, regularly, commonly persist up to 30 days from vaccination and can be detected in the heart. But yeah, let's pretend like this is totally not related. Myocard, I mean, it's just, it's so, I don't even know the right word for it. It's, it's overwhelming to me how many people are so willfully lying to us right now. And it, it, we're at a point now where the science is, it's unbelievably obvious. The body of evidence in almost every one of these conversations, every one of them is 
fall is, is exploding in the direction of these things are hurting people. And all they do is just go, keep going. Keep doing it. You're a liar. It's fake news. Tissues were obtained in autopsy from 20 post-vaccinated patients and five non-vaccinated control patients. All three of these patients had been vaccinated with the Pfizer shot within 30 days of their death. It says an important finding in this study was the detection of SARS-CoV-2 vaccine mRNA in the human heart tissue. They found the vaccine was detected in two left ventricular samples and two right samples from the total of these three patients. And it says, in conclusion, the study provides a map of the biodistribution and persistence of the mRNA injections in human tissues. A complete understanding of this biodistribution and time course of persistence will be essential as lipid nanoparticle-based vaccines become more widely used. Yeah, you know what? This, this is the perfect time to make this point. Just like we said with the last thing we just talked about. The study says, dangerous. Mosquitoes are hurting people. They're, they're reproducing. They're not supposed to. Here's why this is happening. And nobody does anything about it. Well, here's your point right here. They're going, this is a problem. Anthony Fauci can write an entire article in cell.com about the platform system failed and we don't, the respiratory issues, we don't know why. Still happens. This study can say, we're finding this throughout your body. It's all over. It's in your heart. And if you get injections, it causes your immune system to be weaker, right? And and essential for the new lipid nano, all of them. The universal flu shot, the mRNA, the, the, the ferritin nanoparticle universal flu shot, the trivalent RSV flu COVID shot. All these are the same mRNA lipid nanoparticle based delivery system. My point is this study is going, well, this should have huge implications for this system. And I'm willing to bet you my life that nothing even flinches. It's already being made. That's how alarming this should be. They don't care about their own scientific research. Now, here's my point again. 2022, the Red Cross, who they maintain to this very day, we do not label blood products as containing vaccinated or unvaccinated blood as the COVID-19 vaccine does not enter the bloodstream. And because of that, poses no safety risk to the recipient. Well, at that very time, I said, well, you're wrong. Yet another, this was more three at the time, another peer-reviewed study finds that you're wrong. SARS-CoV-2 spike mRNA vaccine sequences circulate the blood up to 28 days. Right, direct contradiction. Peer-review study, PubMed, NIH, National Library of Medicine. How is it that we know that this, you know this and yet you still stand by that statement? You're putting people in danger. Well, I added another one today. Same one that I just showed you. I said, and now we have another one, Red Cross. Do you have the courage to finally admit you're wrong or are you going to continue hurting people when the evidence is slapping you in the face? How can you willfully ignore peer-reviewed science? Routinely persist for 30 days. Guys, Knock this out of, keep forcing this in their face. They're hurting people. They don't care. I mean, think about how alarming that is that Red Cross is literally, when shown this data, maintaining the lie. How is that even possible? And also include this important dailyclout.io article. That's the one that, uh, uh, (laughs) interesting. I, that's so weird. I'm, I just talked about her today. Wolf. Something Wolf. <laughs> I just can't remember the name all of a sudden. Let me just look at this real quick. Naomi Wolf. I don't know why I forgot her name. That's so strange. Just a brain fart there. So this is her, Naomi Wolf's what uh, She worked with this platform. But this is what we just want to include this. 46 pages, Floyd emails between the CDC leaders. 
Fauci, Collins, White House, NIH, HHS, all show they knew about vaccine-induced myocarditis. And we've already shown you this. They knew about blood clotting. They knew all about all of these things. And they redacted it. They lied about it. This is a massive criminal cover-up, guys. It's not even up for debate. And we have another post from uh, um, Dr. Macias, 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 talking about the turbo cancers. And look, it's interesting overlap, talking about the M-Mod RNA food products, the injections, and all of which are leading in the same very, very alarming direction. Listen to what he has to say. Turbo cancers, they're happening in pregnant women. They're happening in young kids, as I said, as young as 12 years old. But, but high school kids are coming down with these cancers. The turbo cancers, I'm seeing lymphomas. I'm seeing brain cancers, stage four brain cancers, and then breast cancers, colon cancers, lung cancers. The leukemias that are showing up in the COVID vaccinated individuals, they can kill in a matter of days or even hours. Wow. Uh, I've reported several cases where young kids, 13 years old, 16 years old, they feel unwell, they go to emergency, and the doctors discover that they have leukemia, and then they die a few hours later. These are tragic stories, and oncologists are, are they're not talking about it. Uh, you know, there's only a Professor Deglish in uh, St. George's University in London, United Kingdom, yeah. who's sounding the alarm, and he has seen his patients who were stable, cancer, stable cancer patients who took a COVID booster shot, and suddenly, he can, you know, their cancer is growing out of control, and so he's sounding the alarm. But, you know, doctors are being persecuted for speaking up and for causing vaccine hesitancy. Sorry about that. I was muted. So it's just so amazing how how many people, how many well-respected, highly credentialed people who are even using peer-reviewed science to make their points are still regarded as conspiracy, anti-science conspiracy theorists. I mean, it's it's just laughably stupid. Doesn't mean that they're right, you understand, but to frame them in that way, and they but I they are, and I think we're proving that. My point is that it doesn't have to mean that. But at the same time, to call them like anti-science while they're literally pointing at peer-reviewed science, it just shows the in, the willful ignorance or the blind, you know, cult-like mentality that won't let them see it. So next, I want to show you what I, they, I'm, I'm going to try to see if I can't rattle through this quickly. But I want to play you the call I had with Walgreens today. So after just what I showed you already and more to come. It's amazing to me what what Walgreens or CVS or any Rite Aid or one of these places will will tell you. I mean, with what we can prove from even their own, what they're currently admitting right now, myocarditis being a side effect. I mean, any number of things, the idea that we don't know if things are safe, the fact that they're studied. I mean, I'll, I'll point it out as we go through it, but listen to this. This was my call first with Walgreens. At the southeast corner of Downs Boulevard and Highway 96 in Franklin. This is today. Thank you for calling Walgreens Pharmacy. This is Tiffany. Can I help you? Hi, Tiffany. Um, I'm just about to schedule my, my booster, my next shot, and I just wanted to talk to somebody to get a couple clarif- some clarification. Are you the right person to talk to? Obviously, I'm lying, by the way. I'm not, never have and never will get these shots. I am. Okay, good. Thank you. Um, I'm just, there's just so much bullshit flying around right now. I just like to talk to somebody who, you know, has, yeah. maybe, you know, knows about this stuff. So um, I got, I've already got my two. Only, only two so far, and I'm, I'm, I got COVID anyway. But so I'm kind of just on the fence about whether I should even do this. So, is that something you think I need to do? 
is, is it generally like so if I already got the first two, I kind of got yeah. Mixed general consensus is this is a new strain. This is covering that, that that they do recommend you get the new one. Okay, so first point. Let's think about this for a second, right? Natural immunity aside, because it's, I mean, these are people that are very aware of natural immunity, but they don't care because, well, new strain. So easy argument for them. They can just dismiss everything, go new strain, new shot, like the flu, like normal things. That's just ridiculous. But what, what she's saying there is, is that, well, first of all, that I got, I said I got two shots already and then I got COVID. And then she says to go ahead and, and get it anyway. Natural immunity aside, their argument has always been from the very beginning that if you got this series that you were protected and safe and you weren't going to get it and blah, blah, blah. What's the we have heard them change their narrative on? But think about the, the, the obvious omission, the obvious admission in that statement. So if 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 all they need is a, a new ver a new strain and suddenly your injection is not going to work, why were they ever lying to you and telling you the first ones were going to be enough? Like you have to realize that even the flu that they say they've managed changes, multiplies all over the place all the time. At least that's what they tell us. And that's something that they yearly do an injection for. And that's what they said this was going to be. It's not like this got out of crazy out of hand because the anti-vaxxers, we've already proven that's not true. The, 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 the people that were getting it and spreading it rapidly three to four times more than anybody were the vaccinated. That's according to UK documentation. So the point is that they were the ones making this stuff happen if you believe that's what's happening. And so my point is they must have known that at some point those things would change to a new strain like very inevitably anything does. So they knew from the very beginning that those things based on that logic would not be enough. And they lied to you. You get my point? I think that's an important thing to understand is that they, they either were too. I mean, the bottom line is at the highest level, they knew that there was never designed to be something that was going to stop. They knew that based on I'll, I'll she make that point in a second. I think I've got it uh, right here. I'll just show you real quick. Just to reiterate this, as Justice Truth points out, they lied to you. The European Parliament asked Pfizer this direct question, you know, quote, was the Pfizer vaccine tested on stopping transmission? And she says, no, you know, blah, blah, blah. Now, my point was, and we remember that. That was 2022, I think, right? I simply said, well, this was important when that happened. And as you've heard me say this, but it was first, it was, it was because it was the first moment that the average person was made aware of that. But it is also very important to make it clear that this was verifiable in 2020. Many of us were making this clear immediately after the early Pfizer trial info was put out. Now, not the phase, the, phase, the, the information they put out about how they were going to be doing this. Forbes covered it in 2020. That's where I first got wind of it. And it was very, Forbes came to the conclusion they, they are not even trying to stop transmission. That was in the, the corporate article. Provably. And then again, Tal Zaks in 2021 from Moderna spoke on the record. And I, I covered all of this. If they wanted us to stop transmission, they would have paid us more. If they wanted us to study it. So my point was this was publicly available. It wasn't broken when this lady said this or when they were asked. I wonder why it was, you know, kind of get, pot, get uh, dogpiled on by all of the everyone made this a point at that point. Makes me wonder if they wanted us to talk about it at that point to justify some next move. But either way, it was not new. That's important, I think, for the larger conversation. Now, in this, uh, where was I? Oh, that's right. We're just listening. To this. So in this in this conversation, the point is that they, where was I going with that? In any case, the point is that we, God, it had something going there. But either way, back to the point of this, is that, is that it's interesting that the 
strain they always knew would change kind of concept was something that they would lie about. And now they're using that justification with the new XBB conversation to say, well, it's a new strain. But it just doesn't make much sense to me. And it's why would you ever play this game with something that we can prove is more dangerous, which is what we know, but the average person doesn't. And we're trying to inform them about that reality. Okay. And that, so that's something I definitely should do. You think like, is yes. it, I, I'm, I'm not, even though I already got, got COVID and, and got the two shots in the beginning. Correct. Because even be having strange. COVID, you don't know what strain you got. This new vaccine that they just released, the old vaccines do not protect against the newest strains, which is what the newest one that was just released will do. Yeah, but see, and then right there, she's also uninformed or lying because we've already proven 15 times over, according to the highest level peer-reviewed science, that if you get, and I'll, here, I'll just grab the one. Now, I mean, I've said, I've showed you so many times. The It's a science.org article that simply says that if you got sick in the beginning, you make variants of con- you make antibodies to variants of concern, and that goes all the way up to Omicron. I showed you that study a million times, and so are, are this this is supposed to be the person informing others about the reality, and we can prove that they either are lying or don't know what they're talking about. If you got na- if you have natural immunity, you're good. On top of that, this is less than the flu anyway. So and okay, I'll prove that next. But the point is that she is just going nope, get it because they said so. These this is supposed to be informed consent, and I'll tell you, I went in there as well. Right. The point is that you are not being informed. They're about ready to stick this in my arm, and I, they haven't told me anything. Spread the hell out of there. No myocarditis conversation, no issue, no risk of anything. They're not informing anybody about this. And the game they play where, oh, sign this document, you could look at the information. There is not even remote, not a fraction of the provable information that we can show you via their own documentation on the thing they tell you to sign. Okay. Okay. Well, see, this, I guess that's where I was mixed up. So this, it says community on there. I, I, mm-hmm. I thought that was the, that's the one from, that's the same one that was approved, right? The first one. It is. Yeah. I don't know why they've done that all of a sudden. It's still, I mean, they've always been called that. They just didn't place it out there like that. Oh, great. So the pharmacist is not, doesn't understand why they call it community or Pfizer. I can tell you it's because that's the legal name that only applies once it's, once it's technically approved. How in the world does this person not know that when that's her effing job? I know that because I looked it up because I cared, but she's like, right, I don't know why I do that. But sometimes I just switch it around. Like this is a person who's supposed to be informing people about this. The reality is that's not true. That they only did this when they pretended they approved it. They never gave it to anybody. Now they've basically leapfrogged this illusion of an approval to piggyback on it. I guess can't, can't use both those analogies to piggyback on this approval that was false to at, to tack on XBB to it, even though they're not even the same thing. And on top of that, I can prove to you via code and optimization or different proline or was it proline? I forget. The, the bottom line is we showed you two different, very clear alterations between the original ones and the community specifically. Yeah. I'm so glad she's informing us so well about the realities of this thing. Her job is to say, do it. It's good. and It's safe. Do it. Nothing wrong with it. They always just said Pfizer or Moderna, but the community that is still the same vaccine. It's just a new strain. So it's a- that's that's objectively false. It's not the same vaccine, and it's not just a new strain. I've already shown you all this. New formula of it that they just released and just approved. Okay, and then and this one has been this one's been tested like all the rest, right? It has been, yes. It went through all the same okay. trials and everything. Wow, that is the most egregious mis- misinformation right there. I mean, you, even if you want, it's just okay. First of all, to say it went through trials, there, there are going to be people that will try to bend that to make sense. Oh, it had twenty mice. The point is, it did not go to the same trials. The first one, as truncated and rushed as it was, 
went through a hell of a lot more research than the thing they just pushed on people. This woman blatantly just lied to me. That's a criminal act, mind you. She's not informing you of the reality. Now, you, she could try to argue that she's misinformed because of something else. She, the bottom line is it's her job to know this. And they just quite literally said they are all tested the same, the same way with all the same trials. There were not trials in this regard. There was, they had efficacy with, with mice and there was barely any, the, the idea of, I think it was in Moderna side, there were 50 people. That's the only thing that happened. For as far as Pfizer's concerned, not a single human aspect in the XBB. They are simply, and I read it from their own documentation. They are inferring everything from the earlier trials and pretending like, well, because we know it's safe and effective, we don't even need safety. Yeah, that's what they're actually doing. This person is hurting people. Okay. Uh, is there any, any concern you have about side effects or anything like that? I've heard side effects are about... just to expect what you've had with the others. So if you had severe side effects or no side effects with the first vaccines, then you'll just expect the same thing. Ah, hey, informed consent. All done. Is that, is that enough? Do you feel informed? What do you mean? If, if, expect the same. I mean, th think about the, the absurdity of saying, if you got it bad last time, it'll be bad this time. If it wasn't bad last time, it'll be, it'll be fine this time. Okay, well, where's the informed consent? What about the myocarditis or the thrombocytopenia, or the Bell's palsy or the blood clots or any number of things that they have been forced to admit are possible? That's informed consent. Nope. It'll be about the same as last time. No big deal. I'm telling you guys, these people are either being hired because they're stupid or are part of some kind of a lie. Okay, what about, is there any information I should have on like the potential risks? So I'm about 40, a guy... Now, I'm not necessarily overweight. Is there anything I should be concerned about risk-wise? Risks like, of the vaccine? Know? Yeah. Okay, hang on. Okay, I think she caught on right there. Why would you switch away when I'm asking about the most important question? I, you know, because in these people's minds, it's safe and effective. There is no risk. Right, so I ask about the, I mean, obviously that's what I was asking. And she goes, no, it'll be the same as last time. And I'm like, okay, well, can you tell me what that might be? I mean, that's a very real question. And she go about the vaccine risks, like almost like surprised about that. And then the, I was, I'm, apparently I was told I'm speaking to the pharmacist. And then she goes, hold on and gets somebody else. Very strange. And I, by the way, I waited probably 20 minutes right here. This is a pharmacist. Can I help you? Hi. Yeah, I, I thought that's who I was talking to. I just, I just was she gave me some good answers already. I just wanted to know uh, if in general, I'm, so I'm a guy, I'm about 40. Uh, not necessarily overweight. I know she was just telling me this one is. It's approved for everybody. Oh, it's approved for everybody. So think of what she just said, guys. It's not approved for everybody. It's approved, even though that's technically I could debate all day long. And it's not even real. For 12 and over. For 11 and under, it's emergency authorized. These people are criminals, man. I can't believe that this is what we're dealing with. And this is how easy it is to prove this. And guys, there's, that's not even up for debate. That's directly on the FDA website. It's directly on the CDC website. And she just said approved for everybody. That's a lie. She doesn't know what she's talking about or she's lying. It's just no, a I was going to ask about any potential risks is all we're going to get at. Like, and by the way, she just said there, I kind of cut her off. It's just a booster. That's not, that's, the, that's not even what the government is saying. They're calling it a, a, what, a regiment or something like that. Like they're kind of getting into like the yearly concept. But they're not even calling it a booster. Any potential risks is all we're going to get at. It's approved for everybody. It's just no, a booster. I was going to ask about any potential risks is all we're going to get at. Like anything I should worry about 
you know, I heard myocarditis no. on the news and stuff. Look, she just said no. She just said no. I'm asking if there's anything I should worry about. Is there any risks? Is there any possible side effects? She says no. I mean, I'm blown away by that. No myocarditis. No. What about headaches and nausea? Like, what the hell is happening here? Oh, dang it. I just, dang it. Hold on. Let's put it back too far. Ask about any potential risks is all we're going to get at. Like, anything I should worry about. You know, I heard myocarditis no. on the news and stuff like no. that. I just want to get it from an expert. What do you guys think I should be worried about? No, nothing? we have not been informed of anything that's similar to the other vaccines. It's just an updated booster. So, so here's the game they're playing. This is straight up. This is sinister, man. So I guess they're being told, well, it's a new shot. But here, here's the here's the ridiculous be- mental gymnastics she's doing. Oh, it's the same thing. It's the same booster. Except when we talk about the side effects, then it's a whole new thing. It's a whole new shot. So it's totally different now. And because we don't know if it's dangerous, we don't know if there's any side effects yet. We'll find out when I give it to you. That's actually what she's generally saying here. That because, you know, it's, we don't know if it has the side effects of the other shots. It's the same damn, it's, it's the same liquid nanoparticle, same mRNA, the same structure with a simply a different genetic sequence. And she's telling you, well, we don't know. It's, we're not even going to, when she, and when I ask about the risk, she says, no. I mean, guys, this is just complete malfeasance. Like, this is overwhelming. And again, I got to say that again. So on one side of the conversation, it's just the same damn thing, and it's a new booster, so don't worry. But then when you ask about the risk, well, we don't know, because it's a whole new thing. In the same conversation. So I tell people it's kind of like getting a f- to the other vaccines. It's just an updated booster. What do you guys think I should be worried about? No, we have not been informed of anything that's similar to the other vaccines. It's just an updated booster. So I tell people it's kind of like getting a flu shot every year. They just update it to cover the strains that are going around. And there's their conflation with the same flu shot conversation. But it's weird. Even that same sentence, she says that it's just an updated booster, but we don't know if it's so. If you're telling me it's the same thing, how does it not have the same side effects? I, I really think these people are hired because they're just not that bright. No, so you're better protected. Okay, okay, thank you. And then I'm probably going to get a flu shot while I'm there, too. Is that okay to do it at the same time? Yeah, just go online and make sure. Yeah, yeah, get it at the same time. No big deal. <laughs> it's just my God. No, it's not. In fact, you've never studied it. They're actually dangerous, and I've shown you this more than once. They do not know if the co-administration of these shots with others have any negative effects on either shot. It's directly stated in the FDA and the CDC and the Pfizer information. But yeah, but she knows, right? She knows. Get an appointment. Okay. And then my, my wife as well, uh, she, she's pregnant. Is that okay for her to come in? I'm just I would advise her to ask. She, she knows what I'm doing. <laughs> she's very aware. I'm trying to sneak in these last questions. She says, go ask your OBGYN. You know, okay. So that's, that's the gist of it. Isn't that, isn't that unbelievable? I mean, I really was sort of blown away by how crazy that was. Now, Joseph L- uh, Ladapo from uh, Florida says, while the feds push false narratives, we assess the data. And here's the truth. Over 70% of the CDC's so-called COVID hospitalizations in Florida are not hospitalized for COVID. They may be in the ER with a broken leg, have no symptoms, and get a positive test. We've been telling you that since day one. David falls up and says 95% of deaths called COVID-19 have on average four additional cases of death. We know we saw this right in the beginning. That was like a, like a moment where the corporate media gave you something to go on 2.5 comorbidities. I think it was right. It's more than that, but that was early on. Now we're seeing four additional causes. 
in this case, well, this is even actually this is overlap of two different things. One is the idea that comorbidity issue with their deaths. But this is also the idea of how, you know, what he just said, that they're in the hospital for homicide, suicide, car accidents, etc. And they get labeled a COVID death. Ninety five percent are in that category. This is according to CDC's own information. But totally not an illusion, though, right? Rustler points out COVID cases versus vaccine uptake in England. December 2020, zero vaccines given, 1.5 million cases, or, you know, what we could, same points, conflation, PCR test, so on. But March 2021, well, we should all be saved, right? 35 million vaccines given, 4.5 million cases. Huh. Okay. Well, here's the point that goes back to what they're saying, right? No, everything changed. There's new variants. And it messed up. Well, no, there was a time where everything happened basically the way they said it should. And it still didn't do what they said it was going to do because it was never going to do that. December 2021, after the booster, 120 million vaccines given. Now there's 12 million cases. You start to get the point? Today, or when this was posted, 155 million vaccines given. Now it's 21 million cases. 93% of cases were after the vaccine rollout. Here's the breakdown. Pretty hard correlation. Pretty hard to miss. Blue line is COVID cases. Red is weekly vaccine doses. Right? So you've got pretty much nothing really going on. And then you have a little spike. And again, you know, you can call that whatever you want. Conflation of flu, pneumonia, PCR tests, whatever. So arguably without some kind of additional thing to cause people to die, seems like that's where it would have petered out. Or, you know, they could have kept trying to conflate a bunch of stuff, but you'd only get so much of an illusion there. So the moment these vaccines were given, right? Like within, okay, it's like a, given with a month they're given. And then the next month, boom, or next couple months, it explodes. And then as they give more vaccines, it's like exactly spiked with that. And you can almost see a, a pretty reasonable correlation right there, at least in the peak. At the very least, you can't continue to say these things are safe and effective if every single time they're given, you get more and more of the same problem. I mean, it's just basic. It's stupid, guys. It's really stupid. Now, here they are still pushing the lie. This is from CBS News. This is today. COVID vaccine during pregnancy. Still still, they say, helps protect newborns. Despite all the evidence we have, despite the baffling issue with pregnancy and reproductivity and neonatal deaths in all these vaccine countries, and we don't even care, Scotland refuses to even look. But it still helps them, we're told. Why? Because, well, if we don't acknowledge the problem and still pretend they're having an effect that we say is happening because of some observational study, well, then it's still helping, right? Because we haven't proven Bayer's is happening, so we don't know, so it's not happening. Simple, right? Unbelievable. Here's the CDC. This is from today. Getting a COVID vaccine while pregnant can protect you and your baby. You know why they're saying that? Directly from their own study information? Because they're ignoring or rather pretending this has no negative deleterious effects. So that's off the table. Safe and effective, right? The only thing we're worried about is COVID-19. So does this stop or increase or or do, like does what effect does it have on COVID-19? That's what, the, that's what their study, that's what they're looking at. And what they're saying is, well, you're more at risk, they say, when you're pregnant, which is not a risk for pretty much anybody as far as I can tell. Not really. But on top of that, that they say that because that might you might get sick, then you might your baby might get sick. So if we give you the injection, even though there's negative side effects, especially for pregnant women, or the lack of information to even know their side effects, our point is, that's what they're saying, is that that thing will reduce the COVID risk to your baby. Therefore, it reduces your risk. That's quite, that is some ridiculous mental gymnastics. 
assuming that it's even going to happen that way. It cuts the chance of hospitalization from COVID by a third for babies. So now we're talking about the baby getting bored and then going hospitalized because of COVID, and you're going to give the mom a shot that might kill the baby to stop that potential. I mean, this is some next-level stupidity. Do we need to get into the benefits, the risk, the net harm of it all, the reality that it, it does not translate that way, that to stop one hospitalization, you have to give 42,000 kids three shots to then cause 18 hospitalizations or deaths? That's a net harm from the British Medical Journal. And yes, they chose one group of age people. They used the mandate and they used one age group. But the point is the same. The data is all clearly there. And we'll go through these again in a minute. The, the actual risk that isn't present or the fact that their own early trials show that their injections were super dangerous. None of this matters to these people. They just go, just get it because we say safe and effective over and over. Well, here's what they link to. Vaccines while pregnant or breastfeeding. He says the evidence continues to build you know what that is a sneaky way of saying that we're still testing on you and studying it continues to build showing that COVID vaccination during pregnancy is safe and effective. You know, they're referencing observational. They're saying, look at all the women have gotten the injection and look at how many of them are not dead. Even though they're ignoring all of the deaths and all the, de the stillbursts and all the issues, they just, Oh, that's not the injection though. We know that apparently. So we go look at how safe it is, but we're, we're baffled by this weird pregnancy issue that we don't want to relate to this. Like, it's just so ridiculous. But the point is, continues to build because they don't have the information in the trial itself or anything else, which I'll show you. Or it says COVID vaccines are not associated with fertility problems in women or men. You mean, aside from all the peer-reviewed studies and aside from Pfizer's own trial data that literally shows opposite? Apparently so. We already know that these people are blatantly lying about a lot of stuff, so why wouldn't they lie about this? But it's pretty damn sinister. It says, get this, guys. So here's what they say in this, in this. They're pointing to this study about how they know it's safe and effective, right? Well, how do they know that? It says, well, data from the vaccine safety monitoring systems have found, have not found any safety concerns. Any. Well, I wonder what safety system they're talking about. Do you, do you want to see? Well, look at that. VAERS. Okay, so get the, get the, get the absurdity of this. The CDC is quite literally going, do Vayers data has not found any safety signal. Isn't that interesting? I mean, how can you possibly even say that? So at one, at one moment, they're saying that we haven't verified that because it's a conspiracy theorist dumping ground. So we don't even talk about it. But when they want to pretend that they've used it, they can say, see, we know it's safe because Vayers. So all the things they think are good are looked at, but anything that says negative, oh, it's a conspiracy theorist. You know why? Because they can't prove 90% of this. Because it is not meant to be proven. It is a signal system that's meant to be used as a signal system. As Dr. Rain in the UK said in 2006 to The Guardian. We don't need to prove it. If the signal's high enough, we stop it. The only time this has ever been different is after COVID-19 when they go, conspiracy theorists, so we don't even look. Except when we want to pretend that it's safe for pregnant people. This is criminal, man. Scientists have not found an increased risk of miscarriage among pregnant people who received the injection. That's a lie. It's a straight-up lie. The monitoring of the, of the safety of COVID vaccination during pregnancy is ongoing. <laughs> oh, great. But we know it's safe and effective as we're continuing to monitor to make sure it's safe and effective. No safety concerns are found in animal studies. That's a lie. I'll show you. Now, first of all, just recognizing the reality of this document that has been there from the very beginning. From the very beginning, and this is the older one, the Wayback Machine, but even the current one from 2023 says the same thing. 
and I'll, this is just the document for you to look at, but these are all the same ones here from the FDA and from, I mean, for everybody, said the same thing. No data are available on these injections. That's including the bivalent one. Same thing with the XPB because they didn't do any of it. They did not study it. Here's from the FDA. The safety profile is not fully known. So they're telling you that they know this when they do not know it. And here's the CDC saying safe for pregnant people, even though they never studied it. That's the first point, which you've heard me say a thousand times. It's amazing that keeps happening. But then you can look at the various reports of exploding stillbirths, neonatal deaths, reproductive issues. I mean, overwhelming. And they just go fake news and as they point at it and tell you it's safe. Here is the CDC in 2021. So first of all, the early documents they put out showed you they never tested it, right? They don't know. So how exactly in 2021, when they haven't even had the observational data they pretend they're using today to say that it's safe, how could they still go safe and effective? CDC issues urgent, they urgent, they urge pregnant women to get the injection, 2021. I mean, you go back to the earliest time of this. All This is a way back machine search of Twitter for them saying this. I mean, it's over and over, guys, repeatedly. It's early. I mean, where's the earliest one? You scroll through for yourself. If you're, it's urgent. If you're pregnant, get the COVID shot. My point I'm making is that if they did not test that, at the earliest moment, they came out and said, pregnant women, take it. Based on what exactly? There's no observational data. You can't say, look at the millions of people that have taken it and they're not dead. I mean, there's a whole gap right there that nobody points out. If it's not tested and no pregnant women got it, how do you pretend that you knew it was safe? It's straight up ridiculous, man. The whole thing. And now they point back and go, well, now we have all the observational data. That's why we know it's safe. <laughs> I mean, there's so many easy ways to prove these people are lying. Here's a, here's a document from the UK that said this. And we, this was one that we showed not too long ago. It says very clearly the absence of reproductive toxicity data is a reflection of the speed. Oh, yeah, that's, they love to pretend that they use that both ways. You can't say it's safe and effective if you didn't even do most of these studies because you rushed it out for your safety. But it says for, it says to first identify and select COVID vaccine, uh, that, that specific Pfizer vaccine for testing. It says in principle, on this, the, a decision on licensing a vaccine could be taken in the circumstances without data from reproductive toxicity studies, but there are studies ongoing and these will be provided when available. In the context of Supply under Regulation 174, it is considered that sufficient reassurance of the safe use of the vaccine in pregnant women cannot be provided at the present time. Okay, so from the very beginning, my point is that they it's clear that there's no way they could have known. And yet the CDC was happily pushing it on pregnant women anyway. There's no way you can make sense of that unless this was something they wanted to test in real time. You know, an open, uncaged field trial. <laughs> It says, however, use in women of childbearing potential could be supported, basic, basically saying if you know, you're super ruling out unknown suspected, basically if you're at risk, well, we can rationalize it. But then it goes on to right away say women who are breastfeeding should also not be vaccinated. Very clear. Now here is a document directly from Pfizer's uh, trials on BNT16. Uh, dang it, I, why is this going so fast? It's Pfizer's document on, documentation of the pharmacokinetic uh, test. And this was one of the ones we've showed you many times. Now, the important part of this, and it goes, it, it discusses the BNT162 platform, which is there's BNT162B2 and one, uh, BNT162B1, I think, if I said that correctly, is B, B1 and B2. 
B2 is the one that became the most prominent, right? But both were tested. The point, and this is just the, the platforms with both of them. The point is in this. We found multiple examples where it said when the radio label of the RNA encapsulated L-lipid nanoparticle was administered intramuscularly, the radioactivity concentration is the highest value at the dosing site. Other than the site of administration, the liver was the highest and then detected in the spleen, adrenal, and ovaries. That's the lipid nanoparticle which delivers the mRNA instructions, which then produces spike protein. So how in the world can five... This is from the original... This is, this is early. It's before they've been given to people. And then they go on to say it stays in the shoulder muscle. Right? This is what I mean. Like People are like breaking this story today. I keep seeing this resurface. This was provable as we all talked about it in 2020. Or 2021. I think when this first came out. Right? Early, early, early. So my point is there's people out there that are like kind of repackaging old information. But good. Get it out to people. But recognize it was around in the beginning. In your ovaries, your spleen, and your your lymph nodes. So clearly it didn't stay in your shoulder muscle. But the point was to show you this breakdown that clearly we know that there is an issue in the ovaries. There's an, a high concentration. Now there's one actually I think I forgot to get. Yeah, dang it. I think I forgot to grab that. Well, there's one of the studies we've shown you many times that talks about, maybe it was, this, I don't think it is this one. It talks about the, the uh, female rats being tested in their in their fertility trial and ultimately the with the it had a almost uh what was it almost a 10% reduction i think in in the pregnancy index i mean that that's that's why they do animal studies to to discuss that in the context of humans and they never told anybody that it's right in their documentation a lot of us talked about it i think delbetry talked about it all of these show you very clear issues with the thing that they said in the beginning we can't tell i don't think they wanted to look and then on a quick note, Roger points out that lipid nanoparticles did not debut with COVID vaccines, right? FDA approved in 2018. There's an RNA wrapped in lipid nanoparticle given at 10 times the dose intravenously indefinitely every three weeks. That's a different study. Difference in lipid nanoparticle technology. It says, curious that the 2016 article on Moderna vaccine development says they can lead to dangerous side effects, which you can read for yourself. It's true, which we all know this because we've already broken this down. They just don't care. Ratsif Levy points out another example showing you the issue overlap with reproductivity. The peer-reviewed study does indeed find mRNA milk in the in, in lactating moms, right? So breastfeeding, that's why they said that. They knew that this stuff translates and it's dangerous. And it's and not, also not staying in your shoulder muscle as they still try to lie about. Here's the another important one as Denny Rancourt points out, science is still compare, science is slow compared to the speed of actual harm. But here it is. COVID vaccines cause widespread anomalous vaginal bleeding among women. But guess what? Specifically, non-menstruating women. That's not okay. There's a big problem there. What if, especially if somebody is, you know, all sorts of reasons that could cause health risks, possibly death. It's pretty wild, man. And so the bottom line is they just dismiss all of this stuff. That is science.org. Here's a, a Substack post, which I've covered for, which has a lot of good source material. Birth rates plunge in heavily vaccinated countries. But, but there's no issue, though, because they don't want to look at it. Well done, CDC. Well, how about this? CDC recommends everybody age six months and up get their shots. Great. Children, get your shots because you need them, right? 
Still searching for appointments for my appointments for my seven and three-year-olds, this person says. Max says, terrifying. You would willingly put experimental gene therapy in your children. Holly says, clearly, you know nothing about science. <laughs> and then P points out that 56 FOIAD pages showing myocarditis, thrombotic, you know, all the stuff. It's just so silly. Clearly, you know nothing about science, the person says. <laughs> What's sad is that person is probably the most uninformed person in the room, but they're shouting you down because the CDC told you to. But again, net harm, right? So this does apply. So you're literally talking about the young age group, and this is a net harm for the young adults. Net harm. British Medical Journal, but we don't care about that. Here is a peer-reviewed study from 2023 showing that at a global level, before vaccination, the infection fatality rate of what they called COVID-19 was as low as 0.03 under 59 and 0.07 under 69. That is dramatically less than 0.1, which is the flu. And of course, that entire age group is 94% of the population. Pretty simple, guys. It was never worse than the flu. We know that. And the Pfizer trial shows you from the very beginning when they reevaluated the phase three data that, guess what? The Pfizer trial exhibited 36% higher risk of serious adverse events compared to not taking the shot. So you're safer than never taking this, especially when you realize that this COVID-19 illusion was never worse than the flu. It's kind of incredible. It's all, and that's what Dr. David Martin is saying. It's, it's egregiously public information. It's right in front of us. And then, of course, we know that extrapolate going on to the next one it's all the same issues because the same platform with even less data on what they're doing with the new sequence it's just incredible how dangerous this stuff is now here's a new one vaccine associated myopericarditis in adolescence conclusion our findings strongly support individualized pediatric vaccine strategies that wasn't what i had highlighted what was it it this this was highlighted a moment ago i lost it though let's see Shoot. Oh, well. Am I just, just skipping it? Shoot. I hate when that happens. What was it? There was something in here that was important. Let's see. In boys, prior infection, researchers needed to... Oh, that's what it was. Uh, let's see. It was exceeds. I remember that. Oh, the reason I use this one is it's now on a peer-reviewed platform, but the preprint was much more very concise on it. But what it's saying here, and that's what's funny is, and this is a good point to make about why the conclusion is what you know, people just skim the conclusion. You know, they just go, we recommend we have individualized shots. Well, why exactly? Well, you'll find out right here. And the, the real meaning of all of this is that a, for boys without a medical comorbidity, our analysis suggests the risks of a second dose exceed the benefits of additional hospitalizations prevented during both Delta and Omicron. So as they're going, you saying benefits outweigh the risks, this study is going literally quite the opposite, that the risk of these next doses out exceed the benefit. Right, it goes on to make it even more clear in one of these parts down here. It's saying that, for example, the the RR of the second dose during Delta may have been up to 2.61 or 4.54 times greater than the hospitalization prevented. I mean, it's just, it's very clear. This is my point about the peer reviewed science it being ignored and they just say them on safe and effective, safe and effective. And it's saying, and, and, uh, and, and 
up to three times greater using the most recent estimates from even the CDC analysis. Seeing uh, right here. Uh, let's see. The, the myocarditis hospitalization rate after the second dose for boys 12 to 15 is 2.8 times higher than their 120-day COVID hospitalization risk. I mean, that's it, it says a bunch of variations of similar things. That's what they're saying. That in at least in this category that they're studying, the risk of the injections outweighed whatever you claimed, even using their information, which I argue is not even valid, whatever benefit they would have gained by reducing the hospitalization, which again is not even happening. I mean, it's it's just unbelievable how clear and easy to prove this is. But here they are, and here's a couple comic people made saying children six months and older can receive their vaccines. And of course, using a child in a mask because they're that ridiculous. And this person says, not for children. That is a flag. That's flagrant misinformation. Do you even care about your credibility at this point? Clifton Duncan says this with 123,000 followers. This person says, these mRNA vaccines have not been tested on humans. None of them. The first vaccine, and this is actually important. I forget to mention this. When they say none of them, they mean that because the first vaccines tested clinically were different from those received by the public. That's already been shown by other people in this. That's exactly like the swine flu lie in the 70s. We already showed you that clip where it turns out they just swapped it out for something else and they caused all sorts of neurological problems. Well, guess what? And the following two boosters have not been the subject of clinical trials. So everybody seems to see this. This person, this person when they say the, the benefits outweigh the risks, they, that's a lie. Well, I just proved you that's a lie. This person says, what risks? We're in 2023, not 2020. Like even people that are arguably under the illusion that there was a risk in 2020 are going, we're not in risk anymore. National Citizens Inquiry from Canada points out, please read the interim commissioner report from National Citizens Inquiry before proceeding. You'll find there is a lack of safety approval and testing for these injections. Here's a link for it. And finally, this person says malpractice. If clinical studies on these age groups will not be completed until 2024, which I've already shown you that, that's true. What scientific data are you, are you using beyond the 10 mice? That's it. They're lying about this. They have no clue whether this is safe. They, they are, quite frankly, I think they, even if they knew, they would lie to you anyway. Oh, and then that's the point about the being ratioed. Let's see what it says now. Look at this. 2,078 versus, so you got 468 likes and you've got 2,078 comments. That's called being ratioed, right? So the point is, that implies that far more people are saying things that you disagree with than people that would like it. That shows you that people do not agree with what they're saying. Here's another great example. Kevin McKernan points out log ratio suggests you're lying again. And this is says nearly half of all adults in the United States plan to get the newly code, the new vaccine results suggest from a survey. And they get exploded with the ratio. My, this is everywhere. Like I keep seeing these, they're pulling out all the same lazy tricks. Hurry up before before uh, stocks. Uh, what's the what they say? Hurry up before we're out of stock. Nobody's rushing for these things, so they're trying to make it sound like it's going to go away quick. And we already played you that from the beginning of all this, where they got caught admitting that that's what they do. That guy was using the old example, saying that's what we do. We we hype and we lie and we we point out and we say, look, the NFL players got it first, and we're mad about that when they're not. They're using that to make you think you should get it. I mean, there's all sorts of these examples or people acting like they are, you know, here's, here's the example from the, they're, they're talking about here, Wall Street Journal. COVID boosters aren't reaching people who want them. <laughs> Hardly. Confusion about appointments and payments and rollout. I don't believe a second of this. 
people eager to get their shots are having problems with their appointments getting canceled. I mean, guys, that's absurd. I called multiple places today and it was like immediate, immediate. <laughs> Not true, in my opinion. Public health experts said the setbacks risk encouraging people from getting the shots. No, nobody wants them because you're killing people. And I think even those that got them are becoming aware of that. Now, just skipping to the point, most insurers are required to pay for the updated COVID vaccines, which cost more than $120 without coverage. Oh, what was that about being a public service? Pfizer doing it for the good of humanity? Yeah, lies. They made more money than any pharma company in history. Just 17% of people got the first one or the last last booster. Yeah, point. That's, the, that's what really is going on. People aren't buying it anymore. Thank God. But don't worry, though, guys, because here's Obama and Fauci, or rather Obama with a very uncomfortable Fauci, who doesn't say a word, with weird, dumb-looking masks on that aren't statistically significant, reducing transmission, telling you, get your kids injected. That's actually what they're telling here to tell you. Thanks to the work of the Biden administration, Dr. Fauci, we already have millions of kids around the country who have gotten vaccinated. Now, do you think that means the new shot? I hope not. And I, I think they would lie about it anyway. But why are they? I mean, we've already seen studies about this. They're almost, I mean, aggressively more so than before, pushing this on children when it's far less than it's ever been for anybody. How do you make sense of that? There's something very sinister happening here. Which means that if you're still thinking about it, you know, get informed, talk to somebody you trust, your family doctor, your pediatrician, a school nurse. Yeah, all the people that are going to be mindlessly repeating what the CDC says. Get more information about it. They'll tell you it's safe. It's effective. Wow. This is uh, this vaccine is tailored for uh, kids. What? This vaccine is tailored for kids. Not only is that blatantly false, it's the same thing they're given to everybody. Why is he focusing on the kids? And why is he going so far as to lie about how it's tailored for children? My God, that's really unsettling. And uh, then come on down and find a spot to get vaccinated. You can get uh, kids and uh, then come on down and find a spot to like, get vaccinated. It's almost like he regretted saying that or something. Like he just disjointedly switches his statement. Listen, it's effective. This is uh, this vaccine is tailored for uh, kids. And uh, then come on down and and then come on down and get your shot. That's not even a proper sentence he just shifts directions that's interesting to me and neither is it say it's not safe or effective find a spot to get vaccinated you can get it for free just by going to vaccine.gov it'll tell you exactly where uh, you can go to get vaccinated and uh, you know make sure to do it as you said for your kids your entire family as well as for the community at large Look at Fauci. What a dork with his stupid ears all bent down. Like, these people are just ridiculous. Like, I, there's a joke someone's going to make. If, I mean, I'm see if I can get to it. I do have to get going, unfortunately. But Dr. Peter Hotez is a point in here about this, like where he's just, I think Dr. Kevin McKernan says, yeah, right here, just pretty, cer pretty certain Hotez with the kid hung up by his underwear in the middle of school. I think all these people are. And they're drunk on their power of telling people how they're supposed to live their lives. But first of all, I think this is important, and I'll have to cover this on another mask focus if it's absolutely if it's actually necessary again. As they're all pushing this and wearing their dumb little masks, the America, the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, you know that conspiracy theorist doctor location, right? Their statement: mask mandates do not prevent spread of respiratory viruses. They cause harm and violate the right of informed consent. 
great. So now the Association of American Physics and Surgeons is going to be like that health blog, the British Medical Journal. They're going to be disregarded. <laughs> I mean, it's just unbelievable. The point is, they're losing. All of the leading institutions and groups are slowly coming. Ah, okay, it's pretty obvious. These things aren't safe. They're not effective. Masks don't work. I mean, on and on. Lockdowns are hurting people. But guess what? It's all happening still anyway. Inversionism points out something I think is really interesting. More psychological warfare propaganda masquerading as an advertisement. This is actually really unsettling. It's just, it's like they were just saying, go to someone you trust. We are your doctors. You trust us. You trust us. You trust us. You trust us. You trust us with your life. You trust us with those you love. So trust us when we say, get vaccinated against COVID-19. The vaccines are safe. They are proven to using a pregnant woman work. You may have wanted to wait. I get it. But don't wait until it's too late. Trust us. Trust us. Trust us. I mean, this is just straight up propaganda, social engineering. I mean, you know, the reason they do that is there's been proven studies about repetition. and And it's almost like this focused mantra that works on some weak minds. It really does. But that's not, I mean, what, how, ask yourself how that's even logically convincing. They're not telling you anything. They're going, trust us, safe. That's it. So you're, you're talking at me about what I'm supposed to think. And you have a lab coat on, so I'm supposed to think that's compelling. Again, this is how stupid they actually think we are. Some people, probably. But I, I think we're proving that most aren't. That's just really weak, man. Trust us. Trust us. You're a doctor. Well, guess what, guys? Nobody with intelligence should be trusting anybody in this in this in any of these positions. That's why we used to always talk about second opinions or informed consent or the idea of any of these concepts like research and scientific information. You always need to check these things for yourself. Blindly trusting people in authority is a guaranteed way to eventually get screwed. History is a perfect teacher of that. It's just unbelievable. Thank you, Iversionism, for sharing more good work. So here is an important clip, and I think I'm just going to try to rush this through. I only have a few more tabs. Sorry I had to rush at the end here, guys, but there's, you know, unforeseen things necessary. You know, I, I got I, when I'm at home, I have to take care of my pup. But I'm pretty, she, he said, I'm pretty certain Hotez was the, oh, she, let me play it first, and then I'll read that. It'll be more fun. It'll be funnier. Dr. Urso shares this. This is actually a really disgusting clip. This guy makes my skin crawl, and I don't mean that because of all the other things. It's because of stuff like this. This guy is a bad person. I mean, there's just no way around that. That's my opinion. But watch what he does here. Calling a mom of an injured child who is being super polite, doing her best to find common ground with this guy, calls her in real time a useful idiot. As she's telling him she has a son who is hurt by this stuff. And we're not anti-vaccine, Mr. Hotez. I respect you for your knowledge. Well, uh, we're not a hate group and we're not anti-vaccine. We're not. Well, we're, yeah. we're, please, uh, this is what I want you to please hear. Okay? Yes, I respect you. I respect your credentials. I don't have letters from him, my name, but I am a mom. I care about- it is pretty low. I Turn it up if you need to. She's just simply saying, I'm not anti-vaccine. I'm a mom. I respect you. Now, I don't know if she means it or not, but she's trying to find common ground with this guy. And he was already trying to ignore and walk away. Listen to what he says about these people, people he does not know, people who just showed up at this discussion and are trying to talk to him. My children, we don't want our children to be safe. I respect you. I respect your credentials. I don't have letters behind my name, but I am a mom. I care about my children. We don't want our children to be safe. 
we respect the infections for their ability, what they could possibly do, the dangers that they could possibly Then why are you putting kids in harm's because way? Because we don't have confidence in the vaccine program for issues that yeah, you Yeah, but that's understand. because of this misinformation. It's not true. They're treating you, you know, you're, you're, you're functioning as the useful idiots of the anti-vaccine no. lobby. You're functioning as useful idiots of the vaccine, of the anti-vaccine lobby, which is not even a thing. Like, he's made up this entire illusion. Now, I'm not going to say there's not some kind of an, a political momentum, or and maybe they have a lobby for all we know, but it's not something that we're... Anytime anybody has a negative comment, he argues you're somehow being used or paid by the vaccine lobby, anti-vaccine lobby. Not I mean, How in the world could he know that? Like, that shows you not only his assumptive nature, but his... his I mean, the the most important part is the fact that he's either willing to assume that because he doesn't like what you're saying, which shows you he's dishonest, or that's his level of research and deductive logic, due diligence, just assuming. Well, you must be paid by these people that I have no idea you're even connected with because you have a concern. Because it's not misinformation that there are issues. They have admitted myocarditis and so on. So he's lying about that too, just like the lady at Walgreens. They're, tre they're, they're treating you, you know, you're, you're, you're functioning as the useful idiots of the anti-vaccine no. Why are you do calling you know people me? names? Do you know me? Who do yeah, right? Why are you calling people names? Like, this is not how a professional conducts themselves. He feels like he's always on attack because he's the one mentally attacking everybody. It's a, it's a, it's a psychological thing. But at the end of the day... Hold on. Why are you do calling you know people me? names? Oh, I just want to make more a point about the, the lobby. Like, I would really love somebody... To find, like, I would love to see what this vaccine lobby is. Like, somebody needs to throw that in his face. Like, there's, you can't just keep saying that unless there's some, some semblance of some kind of a entity that you think you're pointing at. Otherwise, he's just making up an entire boogeyman, which is probably what he's actually doing because he's a coward. Do you know me? Who do I associate with? How do you know I associate with because, idiots or listen to idiots? Right. You know, you're, you're making an you're, unfounded you're being, you're, you're assumption. Being, you're being deep. No, the CDC doctor. He literally just said, you're, so she says, you're making an unfounded assumption. You don't even know me. And he goes, you're being paid by the lobby. That's what that guy just said. I mean, what a clown. I mean, I just, it's so sad that people like this are in positions of authority. I, this guy is ridiculous. You know, I mean, look, obviously, I might give you my, my own opinions, but it's just like any of the rest of these people, somebody who's stressing things about health, who very clearly is an unhealthy person, like a lot of these supposed health ministers and health advocates. I mean, you don't need to look anywhere past his very crooked brown teeth to understand this person is not very healthy. That's not I mean, I, I could happily make fun of this person, but that's a very real critique. That's a really unhealthy thing. It's not hard to see. Look up plenty of his images. There's that's unhealthy. But yeah, give a bunch of negative vaccines to your body and that's going to make, I mean, I could go off forever. The point is, I'll, let me let this play out. You know, you're making an you're, unfounded you're being, you're, you're assumption. Being, you're being no, the CDC documentation so, is so scary the, to me. I want you yeah. to hear my side so that you know it's not just autism. There's a small subset of children that you know exist that are, are prone to vaccine injury. It's not just a swollen arm or, or a fever. It's death. It's having a child who's 17 years old wearing a diaper who will never be married, who will never have children. The likelihood These of, children exist and you know. Well, we've, we've, let's let's we've, not be pro and anti. We've let's done, be in the middle. We've done let's figure this we've out done together. Sorry, I have to stop there. This is what I love about this. She's throwing out the very the most logical Let's let's not be pro and anti. Let's find let's find the middle. Let's discuss this. Like that's what we that's what we used to pretend was the in, the intelligent, mature, right? That's that's how it's supposed to be. 
We can disagree, but let's try to find some kind of synthesis. Let's find some kind of a common ground. And all he does is attack and call names and try to get away. Now, who in that conversation do you think is the more logical, honest person? Right, and we know that the likelihood of a serious injury so can you guarantee vaccinated that my child is, is will not one be, in a million. So can you, it's not one in a million. One in a million. I mean, guys, that's provably false. Even the CDC's own data shows that's not true. And that's, that, and that's, that's the best he can do. Wouldn't, don't you at the very least think he would cite the CDC lie? No, he has to make it even more ridiculous because this guy is a on the defensive. Look, he is trying to push back in a way that is grandiose because I think he knows he's caught. However you look at it, you can easily prove. I mean, at this point, we're talking, well, it was something like one in third. I don't want to miscite it now just because I just, the bottom line is it's dramatically higher than that, even from the CDC, from the British Medical Journal, from uh, what was the other one? Multiple peer-reviewed studies have found that the myocarditis risk alone is way higher than that. But then on top of everything else, it's not even up for debate. Not one in a million. Not one in a million. Is there a mandated vaccine reporting system? I actually bought your book. Read the book. I bought your book. I'm excited to read it. Read the book. Let's just say you're right. Let's give you all the credit. It is one in a million. Can you guarantee my child will not be one in the one million? Can you guarantee me that? That's a ridiculous. No, it is. Why? Not That's our child. So you're, so, so you're going to deny children no. the fundamental right no. to be protected against a lot of us. Have- See my point? This guy's ridiculous. He's just worse. He's as bad as any Sumer on Twitter. Who in the world just said they're trying to deny anything from anybody? They're simply just trying to get you to acknowledge that there is a risk and that that should matter. That's it. But you see, in his backward assuming mind, it's that, oh, it's because they're trying to fight to stop other people because they're anti-vaxxers. Like, this guy is the actual conspiracy theorist they pretend we are. He is in the shadows lurking, worried about the anti-vaccine lobby and the conspiracy theorists who are trying to attack and do this. I mean, those people probably exist to some degree. But the idea that every single person with a criticism is that is childish. Vaccine injured children. I have vaccinated children, Mr. Hotels, but I am... I don't have full confidence because of some of the things that have gone on, because of the, CDC, the things on the CDC website, the World Health Organization, Institute of Medicine, there are issues. All I want you to do is find out what those issues are and bring us the science showing you don't have to worry. We did, and that's why no, we're No, you didn't, you're only touting autism. You didn't read the book. You're only saying, I'm going to read the book. The book book goes beyond I'm going to read the book. Okay, I got to go. Thank you. Thank Thank you. What a creep, man. <laughs> I just can't stay. The guy just really is an uncomfortable person. Calling a mom an injured child with an injured child a useful idiot. It's disgusting. And as Kevin McKernan says, I'm pretty certain Hotez was the kid hung up by his underwear in middle school. And it's how this and open bears points out. And when he cried to his mother, she told him he was a genius and one day people would understand him. Here's another point from inversionism. Peter Hotez doesn't care about your informed consent either. He thinks that all the adverse events and post-marketing data in vaccine inserts is just phony baloney that is made to scare parents into not getting vaccines, right? Because it all stems to some some dangerous, big, bad boogeyman called the vaccine anti-vaccine lobby that we can't prove. What he is, what he conveniently leaves out is that the only reason those adverse events are in the inserts in the first place is to protect pharmaceutical companies from liability. Exactly. He thinks the continual endless reports from the mothers explaining how their child was totally normal and healthy gets multiple vaccines in one day and then immediately devolves into autism or worse. is just anti-vax propaganda and they're all useful idiots for the same narrative for an anti-vax movement. Again, he has genius uh, contempt 
he has genuine contempt for you and your children. And you can't dare question him or his cult of vaccination. He doesn't care about the evidence on aluminum neurotoxicity. He doesn't care about combining foodstuffs with aluminum and making people have severe autoimmune conditions for life like I do from eggs and his flu shot, according to inversionism, nor does he care about the plasmid contaminations or the ne ne negligence in regard to quality control either. All these things are provable information that are coming out peer-reviewed science. But this person, trying very hard to be not ridiculous with this guy, is just denying it all. And you're the anti-something, apparently. Question here about uh, asking about informed consent um, in regards to vaccines. And, and so I guess this gets to a better question of, you know, the changing landscape of the you know, medical freedom um, is how strong you think those arguments are going to be and whether this is a real going to be a real ongoing challenge going forward to putting up legal roadblocks to good public policy. Yeah, it's because, I mean, it, when I get my COVID vaccines at HEB or flu vaccines, I do sign something. So there is informed. Yeah, you sign something that in many cases has minimal information, if any, and something that I can prove to you, and he damn well knows, does not include a fraction of the things that we know it can do. And that, and look, just because it's a one in a million, doesn't it has to be listed. That's what informed consent means. But they don't. They don't list 95% of these things. They list sore arm, shoulder, headache, nausea, whatever. And now they actually list myocarditis. My point is that he called that fake news and now it's on there. The point, and even then, most of these people don't even look at this stuff. Informed consent is not a 30 page, you know, a lot of these things we've seen in the past are super fine print, multiple pages. The bottom line is you're supposed to be told by your doctor. You're supposed to be told what the risks are. This guy is just, he's challenging all sorts of classic understandings of how this is supposed to go because he's trying to defend his stance. All he cares about, in my opinion. Consent, that's not what they're looking for. They're not looking for informed consent. They are looking for you to tell information to parents and to people to scare them into not getting the vaccine. Right, they, all of them, every single one of them, anywhere that wants informed consent, they know they're lying about it, all of them. They just want to scare you from the anti-vaccine lobby. These are the, this is the person they hold up. Wildly subjective, complete broad strokes based on at something he could not possibly know. But that's intelligence they want you to think. Well, he's ignoring all the peer-reviewed science in lieu of what they want you to think is happening. But we're the ones doing that. I mean, this guy is quite literally projecting everything he's doing on everybody else. Now, I guarantee there's somebody in reverse doing the same thing. But what he's doing is calling anybody, myself, anybody. It's simply going, they're not meeting informed consent by the very definition of the word, which is the easiest part of this whole thing to prove. Half, I mean, we showed you in the beginning, those inserts were blank. <laughs> I mean, my God, this is ridiculous. And all he says is anybody anywhere in the world who says anything about informed consent in a negative way regarding COVID vaccination are lying about that. They just want to scare parents to stop them from taking them because it's all some organized may, may, you know, effort to stop everybody everywhere from getting vaccines. You know, even the ones that got vaccinated and now are hurt and are now speaking out, them too, or the people that are still taking all vaccines but just don't like the COVID vaccine, they're anti-vaxxers who are doing the same thing, or people that actively speak out about the good things but call out the new mRNA technology like an RFK discussion. But he's still anti-vax because that's how smart this guy is. People that are promoting vaccination except this one are somehow anti-vax and part of the same lobby. I mean, it's just embarrassing how dumb this person is. 
That's what this is about. It's they they want a piece of paper with all the phony baloney um, uh, stuff that you can download from anti-vaccine websites. That's their version of informed consent. Yeah, you mean all the stuff that's on the Vayers website that you guys dismiss, all the things that have been later admitted to, or there's now peer-reviewed science that verifies. I mean, this guy, I feel, I genuinely think this guy's kind of desperate at this point. Think about what it is to stake your entire career on something that is like a quicksand. You know, it's, it's a building built on quicksand that is very clearly beginning to fall apart. It's just, it's embarrassing. And, and Martin Kuldroff points out is the, in his book, The Deadly Rise of Anti-Science. It says, is his book an autobiography? <laughs> then pushing code vaccine mandates, Peter Oates has denied the existence of natural immunity after COVID recovery. I mean, that's a, de- a deadly anti-science position. I mean, that's my point. This is like the anti-fascist group literally being fascist, right? These people are anti-science in the way that they're conducting themselves while calling people that are literally pointing at peer-reviewed science anti-science. It's kind of hilarious if it wasn't so scary. Jeffrey A. Tucker points something out, and this is kind of a, a, a associative point, that right now, in an interesting switch, they're doing, again, what we all told you they would do in the very beginning. We are, like, for instance, we already saw them go, we never forced anybody. You always had a choice, even though we know that's not true. And we know they know that's not true. He goes, explain this. Trump says he never locked down, but rather only gave advisories, which their his followers love to argue. And that's just, the point is nothing would have been possible without all of his actions. The declaration of emergency, by the way, that they're still using. The Defense Production Act, the CARES Act, I and mean, all these things he put into effect are the largest issues with ever that allowed everything Biden is doing. But they don't want to hear that because what it makes you pro-Biden to point out a fact, even though I think they're all equally ridiculous. But it says Fauci says he never advised locking down, which we can prove he did on the record. That's how stupid they are. But it says now we have former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo saying that he, that he had no enforcement power. So closures were entirely voluntary. Well, did you tell people that? No, you presented this as like this is the point about the mandates. They were never able to be enforced, but the police did it anyway. So now, but now they're playing that other way. They're going, well, we never could. We never had the authority. We just pretended we did. I think it's a pretty interesting argument, isn't it? Many governors are pretending like nothing ever happened. Yeah, because we they are beginning to see that the ground is washing away beneath them. And we might actually have some accountability here. How is it possible that the entire country was utterly wrecked for a year or two and we still deal with the fallout and yet no one takes char- no one in charge takes any responsibility for anything? Well, sounds like another Tuesday to me. They are even claiming that they didn't actually do anything at all. It all feels like this brings new meaning to the term gaslighting. It's terrifying. Now, here's one of these people, except this one just couldn't help herself. So as this recedes and everything goes, you know, in this case, a COVID mandate is removed. This is the kind this this is Peter Hotez as a woman. Say that I do not regret one moment what we did, not one moment, not 30 seconds, not one tiny bit, because you know which state had the highest percentage of uh, rate of deaths from COVID? Florida. No state had more per thousand people deaths, not disease, deaths from COVID than Florida. What's the point she's trying to make here? Oh, I forgot. It's only about a partisan divide, right? That's all it's about. Democrats, they're better than Republicans. Like, are you really that childish? Are you in kindergarten? That's really sad. The bottom line is that 
what they did, the mandate, hurt people. And just because you try to argue that the mandate saved life, you could prove that's not true. Just because you compare it to a Republican state that you act like didn't, how about you compare it to Sweden? How's that going to work out for you? Right? As her little turkey neck is shaking around and she's getting all upset, she's probably about to pass out. The point is that this is about driving people into a partisan divide. And I ultimately think that this person is one of the ones that I often point out is not in the know. She bought her own BS. She bought the BS she's being sold that she's then selling to you. But the crazy part of it is that now they're rolling back the mandate and she's still angry about that. So what are you trusting here? Right? The, the government are the ones ultimately telling you that's no longer necessary. So isn't that the science we're supposed to trust? Well, now, but then, so now everyone's telling you it's not necessary. And the only thing you can say is, I don't regret a second of it. Yeah, because you're ridiculous. You don't trust anything but your own drunk, your own, I guess, what's not drunk, of the or your own uh, desperate need for power that you're now losing. And guess which state had the highest death rate of children in the America? Florida. <laughs> I just want. It's just, she's just unhinged. Again, the point is kind of, un, it doesn't even connect. If you're talking about why the mandate was necessary, why would you compare it to a place that, I mean, the, or she's trying to argue is that because they didn't have a mandate, that's what happened. But we can prove to you that the children numbers were completely fabricated as multiple mainstream articles have been forced to admit. I mean, on and on and on. PCR tests, and so on. The reality is that these mandates per peer-reviewed science were dangerous, and the injections they gave were hurting people per their own trials and were unnecessary because it was less than the flu. But she doesn't care about the facts. She cares about Republicans, Florida. These are the people running our country. Lastly, two things. I just think it's important as we are watching this disintegrate in front of them that one of the main arguments they've been pushing to maintain all this, just like the beginning of asymptomatic or the, uh, you know, the many different lies they spun to make it last this long. This was one that has been keeping this weekend at Bernie's idea continuing, right? Where the COVID lie is just drifting forward, even though everything's falling apart. Sky News now reports as of two days ago, the risk of contracting long COVID may have been exaggerated due to flawed research. You don't say. Oh my God, are you shocked about that? Leading to unnecessary high levels of anxiety about suffering from it and therefore psychosomatic responses, but also everything else we've talked about. I mean, this is next level ridiculous, but I guess what won't change, just like every other point we've made in this regard, the push to stop long COVID. So as we're now finding even corporate news and even peer-reviewed science, you know, many of them, who are finding that this is not even remotely what we were told it was that I keep proving to you they've never even proven is connected. They're still trying to suss out what's causing it, and yet they're diagnosing it and even treating it. How do you make sense of that without being in a broken medical structure, a propagandized system of medical, like, well, of scientism, of, of medical, uh, what's the right term for that? You know, it's a religion for these people. I just, I don't understand how we can be this ridiculous. Researchers want to see internationally established diagnostic criteria. Here's what it says. The risk of contracting long COVID may have been exaggerated due to flawed research. Exactly what we were saying and being called fake news for. Leading to, un uh, to unnecessarily high levels of anxiety about suffering from it. That's psychosomatic. Or at the very least, your, your you know, anxiety causing that to happen. Like, it's kind of the same thing. Major flaws in the literature on the condition likely exaggerated the true threat of contracting it. All the Karens out there screeching about how this is now unscientific. Officials known as 
oh, excuse me, officially known as post-acute sequela of COVID-19. That's the that's long COVID. Now researchers from the UK, along with Denmark and the USA, say, quote, many scientific publications overestimated the prevalence of long COVID. Can you guess why? Well, because of the, quote, overly broad definitions, lack of control groups, inappropriate control groups, and other methodological methodological flaws. So everything, basically. Lies, conflation, assumption, you know, but science, though. Instead, the authors of the study argue that the symptoms are common among other respiratory viruses. Doesn't this sound like you're watching the show that we've given 14 times over the last two years? It's the same damn thing. Way to catch up, corporate media. Now, all this makes me think is there's a reason they want this to come out. Published in the British Medical Journal's Evidence-Based Medicine, the new paper, of course, is the British Medical Journal because they've been one of the only groups that have been willing to give the honest truth about some of this stuff. The paper looked at the definition of the condition by several global health organizations, including the NIH and the WHO. You know, the place where YouTube is now telling you cannot challenge or you'll be censored, even though we're proving that they're wrong, like so many other times before this. The study argues none of the definitions, quote, requires a causal link. Well, that's exactly the point, guys. They chose things they knew they could draw a line through that connects to anything. Doesn't None of them required a causal link to COVID infection, adding any symptoms that happen after a confirmed suspected COVID infection could be considered consistent with long COVID. Think about how stupid that is. Even if they're writing an article without laughing about this. This is malpractice, in my opinion. This is scientific manipulation. They chose the symptoms. Basically, what they're saying here is literally any symptom you had after you had COVID was then called long COVID. You heard me say that many times. Quote, in general, in the scientific literature, imprecise definitions have resulted in, get this, more than 200 symptoms being associated with condition term long COVID. Nobody takes that seriously. That is a manipulation that's now being broken down in a way that makes it sound like we just made a mistake. Researchers also said the studies in the early stages of the pandemic are more likely to have included fewer patients with mild or no symptoms, which could have led to a sampling bias. Interesting. Quote, our analysis indicates that in addition to including appropriately matched controls, there's a need for better case definitions and more stringent long COVID criteria, which should also, which should include continuous symptoms after confirmed SARS-CoV-2 infection and take into consideration baseline characteristics, including physical and mental health, which may contribute to an individual's experience, meaning it's in their head in some degrees, which is what we've been telling you. But the main point, don't lie about it is what they're basically saying. Don't make sure you include things that make this look like whatever you want to point at. Inappropriate definitions and flawed methods do not serve those who medicine, who medicine seeks to help. <laughs> just, it's just so embarrassing. Why can't people who are blinded by this wake up and go, oh, they were right. Well, here's the point to include again that I posted this in 20, uh, April 2023. Another peer-reviewed study found that long COVID is largely psychosomatic. The newest study finds that long COVID is, quote, associated with factors other than SARS-CoV-2 infection, SARS-CoV-2 infection, including psychological factors. This one says the results of the cross-sectional analysis suggest that physical symptoms persisting up to 12 months after may be associated more with the belief in having it than actually having having had it. Now, my point is this is simply the one side of it. I believe very strongly that it's vaccine side effects more predominant than anything. And then people like this being overly 
racked with anxiety because of the propaganda. Who really, it's mostly aimed at people like us, to be quite honest, but the ones that are victims of this who have gotten 75 shots without telling anybody are the ones being scared to death. Lastly, Steve Kirch points out, after police detectives established that 50% of SIDS deaths happened within 48 hours of vaccine, the medical examiner would always ignore mentioning vaccines when writing, on, when writing the autopsy report. Now, I'm going to cover this in another show because I do want to go through this entire article. It's, it, there's, it's very important. Basically, the bottom line is that they are, it's, old, it's older information showing you that this, this police detective was trying to investigate the lie that is sudden infant death syndrome. And what she find? That it's aggressively aligned with, with vaccines almost acutely after, right after taking them. And she got fired because of it. Or I think she got uh, pushed out or I'll go over it in a future show. The bottom line is they, that multiple detectives have spoken on the record about this with Steve Kirch and said that they've, every time they find the connection, they, they, they get shut down, they get pushed away, it gets covered up. And here's a study, by the way, as all the people out there lying about what is and is not in science, showing you vaccines and su- sudden infant death. Here's what the highlights are. Additive or synergistic toxicity may occur following multivalent vaccination. Oh, great. Multivalent, the one they just pushed on everybody for, for six months or however long they gave that. This is from 2021. So you're telling me they didn't know that when they decided to make a multivalent shot? You know what the flu shot is right now? Multivalent. Infant deaths post-vaccination are often misclassified as SIDS. That's because it's a catch-all category that means we don't know what this is, according to their own definition. Most people don't even know that. Of all reported SIDS cases post-vaccination, 75% occur within seven days of the injection. Think about that. 75% of every case of sudden infant death syndrome just so happens to happen within seven days of an injection, according to this peer-reviewed study. But we're confused. Adjuvants that cross the blood-brain barrier may induce fatal disorganization of respiratory control. But we're going to lie about that and pretend we don't know because science isn't there. And then lastly, thousands of high school students suspended are now because they don't take their shots. Like, so if you still think this is still happening because it's not being forced on the average adult right now at schools and colleges, I mean, they're still for, just because they pretend they did this with those shots, they're now trying to shoehorn in the mRNA, genetic manipulative, dangerous COVID-19 shots, and they're forcing kids to take it to go to school right now. Grade 11 and 12 students in our region who do not have their vaccines up to date were suspended from school. I went to my first class and then they said they sent me down to the office and then they said that I couldn't go to any of my classes or play any of my sports because I didn't have a vaccine. So they said that I had to go home. Health officials say, oh, look, they've got a vaccine set up at the school. Oh, how convenient. Like, think about how disgusting that is. So you're going to force them to get vaccines, otherwise can't go to school. Even though they're supposed to be informed consent, they're supposed to be their own choice, their parents, religious exemptions, personal exemptions. How about the fact that it could hurt people? Any number of autoimmune. I mean, all these different categories that they always have known are at risk, they don't care anymore. They're now forcing at those ones first. My point is, you're forcing them to do this to go to school. And now you're setting up a vaccine clinic at the school. Doesn't that seem a little bit... I mean, I guarantee you there's some kind of a kickback for that. Somebody's benefiting from making this little four situation. Said that I had to go home. Health officials say there were 18,000 letters that were sent home to families at the beginning of the year. 18,000. 
it's just sad, man. I mean, it's so clear what's going on. You guys can see it. We can see it. Everyone's pointing this stuff out. And I really do think that these things are shifting. But my God, something is really wrong. And I'm glad that people are finally starting to pay attention to it. So thank you for being here. Now, as much as I did kind of rapidly get that at the end there, there's plenty more I could have gone into, but we still went over three hours anyway. But thank you for entertaining, you know, for allowing me to rush at the end, even though you had no say over it. (laughs) Thank you for being here. I just hope we can reach more people, guys, because, I mean, there's so many people struggling out there. There's so many people dealing with some of the most unbelievable things that we could never fathom because of what they were forced into in the most impossible choices between careers and, and family and, and every, it's just, it's so sad to think of how many people like the letter we just read to you before people that didn't want to, but got forced into it and now realize what they've done. It's just sad. But every day we do this and every day you share this and reach out and and do your own work. You're reaching some people, you're changing people's lives for the better. Not because you're telling them how to think, but because you're giving them the opportunity to think for themselves. And that scares them more than anything. So thank you for being here. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. We should be having a public dialogue, and it should be something that rises to the level of legislation. We should not allow the National Institutes of Health or the Department of Defense to allocate funding to amplify these agents so that allegedly we can study them in the case that they fall into the hands of bad people. Because the evidence has shown us that the bad people who actually have unleashed these pathogens since 1991, and by the way, if you go to miscellaneous Memorandum 7 and other documents, we can go back to the 1950s. The bad people who unleash these things on the population are us. It is the U.S. who's doing it. 